0: I'm Jesse and I'm Josh and this is slice by slice a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres,
1: such as traditions folklore franchises and director's bodies of work and of course we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers happy Happy
0: this is of course our Halloween episode on Halloween anthologies recorded on October 26 2020
1: holy crap we've uh we've made it to another Halloween
0: We have, we have, and we made it past 50 now. Some people were like, hey, you hit 50, you're done, but we're at 51, so fuck them. (laughs) And we're getting really close to Halloween. Well, for you guys, it should be Halloween while you're listening to this. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Assuming Jesse can edit it in time, but this is Halloween. I'm going to do my fucking damnedest for you guys. And I hope everybody has really awesome, fun, safe Halloween plans to do and cool parties to go to if you can do it so much shit is canceled this year it's a weird halloween i myself am doing a, a little movie theater party in my yard for all the young kids including my own in my cove so we'll see how that goes nice but josh had his annual halloween party last weekend and i was there you should be able to see the pictures of our costumes on instagram and we wanted to do the interviews again like last year we wanted it to be a tradition but it just really wasn't possible to do this year with everything that's going on. So we have thought about doing it remotely, but by the time we were thinking about who all we could get to do that with the tech savvy and the equipment, it just really wasn't possible. So we'll do that again for you guys next year.
1: That is the plan, but yeah, we, uh, I wouldn't say we downsized a little bit, but kept everybody mostly out on the porch with the movie going and hand sanitizer and individually packaged food for all. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) it was still weird, but at least we got to we got to dress up and have a little fun for Halloween.
0: But anyways, we got a couple of movies to cover. So let's go ahead and hit the news and announcements first, shall we? The first thing that I saw is I'm not sure if Joe Hill now is a cocaine addiction or not, but he is. (laughs) decided that he wants to write and direct a remake of his father's film, Maximum Overdrive. It can't be any worse than trucks. (laughs) Well, let's just hope it's a passion project, not a cocaine addiction. (laughs) It could be both. It could be good, too. I mean, I have a love-hate thing for Maximum Overdrive anyways, right? Like that goblin truck is so memorable and so creepy, and I love it. And that movie's fun in some ways and then just bad in others. But I could see it done to better effect, right? Oh, yeah. My biggest hope for it is that Joe Hill would do that commercial that his dad did where he's like, it's time for somebody to do Stephen King, (laughs) right? You remember when he did that? Yeah. Like as a stab at Kubrick for shining. I want to see Joe Hill do that commercial making a stab at his dad because, you know, they would just fucking have fun with that.
1: Yeah, that'd be funny as shit. Tim Burton
0: wants to do a reboot of the Adams family, but as a TV series focusing on Wednesday as like the teenage girl, kind of like in a Sabrina way. And uh, I don't, that could be pretty fucking interesting with Tim Burton doing it.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, with him doing it, it's definitely going to be interesting. We'll just have to wait and see if it's going to be any good. <laughs> Is Johnny Depp going to be Gomez? Johnny Depp's going to be something. There's no way he's not.
0: Hell in a bottom quarter as a uh, Morticia. I'm calling this as a go. <laughs> I'd get behind that. They could do it, but I think they're probably both a little too big to do a TV show. I don't know if it's like a limited series and Tim Burton's actually doing all of them, they might would do it. Yeah. They did that fucking Dark Shadows movie, so you never know. Yeah, all right. I was really excited for this one. There's gonna be an animated creep show special episode on Shudder on the 29th. So it should be out by the time you guys hear this. And I really like Creep Show and Shutter, so it should be a lot of fun. Nicotero's in charge of the entire animated episode, and I just saw an updated announcement today that one of the segments is gonna be Joe Hill and another is gonna be Stephen King. So speak of the devils, that should be a lot of fun.
1: Okay. I'll have to check that out.
0: Have you watched the actual creep show yet? The series, not the movie. No, 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 no. Oh, it's really good. You gotta watch it. Okay. We got some more information on the Evil Dead reboot or Evil Dead 5 or whatever the fuck it's supposed to be because Bruce (laughs) Campbell just did a big interview about all things Bruce Campbell, but of course this came up. But this one's going to be an urban film. It's going to be like in a city in a skyrise, I think. And there's going to be a female heroine and it's not going to be Jane Levy. It's going to be a new one. I guess maybe she's too busy with her new show. Maybe she doesn't want to do horror because I don't even know if she's in Don't Breathe 2 or not. But... (laughs) Bruce says it's gonna be badass and he he was saying for the haters out there that's mad that it's not like a cabin in the woods that the Necronomicon is a book that gets around and it has been in the possession of many people who have fucked up and read its pages so it's time (laughs) to start seeing the book in in other locales so I can get behind that because I've heard that was kind of always a plan right like we heard that when Fetty was talking about doing the uh, reboot. We, we were listening to an interview with him and he was saying like, it, it's just a different story with the book. So many people have read it. That's why you can see it in the pages, you know?
1: Yeah. We'll have to wait and see.
0: Just so you know, Sam, Rob and Bruce are the producers of the movie too. So that's a good thing. <laughs> this was kind of cool. And I really fucked up and forgot to tweet this, but Halloween turned 42 yesterday, which was October 25th for us. Fuck. That was a while ago, but uh, yeah. that's why we have slasher flicks as we know them now. Right. Yeah, totally. And the last little bit of news, I actually just saw the trailer. I think it just dropped a couple of hours ago, but it's Amazon Prime show Truth Seekers, which I think it said it was coming out on the 28th or the 29th. And it's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. And it looks fucking hilarious.
1: Yeah, looks like it can fill the void that uh, was left by, uh, what was it, Ghosted, that didn't even make it a season.
0: I don't know. I didn't see that one. It
1: it made me think of
0: Ghost Facers from uh, Supernatural but <laughs> yes. with Simon Peck and Nick Frost. I'm OK with that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But yeah, it looks fun. That's all I have for news. you have anything, Josh? i
1: never have anything for news. <laughs> I appreciate you asking, though.
0: <laughs> as far as announcements go, just like last year, Josh and I are going to take a little break here at the end of the year to help us prep for the the next season or the next year. And to handle all of our work and family stuff that gets crazy. And last year we took a break in December. We're going to do it a little earlier this year. This is going to be the last episode of the year for the most part. So, anybody that's new, you have plenty of time to get caught up on that uh, 50 episode backlog. But we will be back for a Christmas episode because we really like doing the horror Christmas movies for Christmas. It's a lot of fun. So, we think it's really cool to end this year on a Halloween episode and then a Christmas episode. So you get a little bit of a break and we'll be back on, on Christmas and then we'll come in swinging in January. Like we did the past two years. Yep. Yep. Our next episode was supposed to be John Carpenter. And that was just going to be a monster of an episode to do. And we're like, you know what? Let's just bump that one to next year. Exactly. As far as updates and corrections from the previous episode, I don't have shit. So I know that's not accurate. (laughs) So anybody that wants to call me out online or in an email, please do. Generally, I take notes when I'm editing like, oh, that that was a mistake or that was wrong. So either we did really, really good or I didn't take any notes. And w- there's been a Halloween party since then and all sorts of shit. So,
1: yeah, I, di- I didn't knowingly catch anything on listening once it went up. So uh, that means nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As far as what we watched, I've actually gotten to see a good little bit since the last episode. I watched A Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting with my kids on Netflix, which was a pretty damn good kids horror movie, I thought. And it was directed by Rachel Talalay, who produced most of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and directed Freddy's Dead that we just covered on the last episode. So that was kind of like a neat little hook there. Yeah, I've not seen that yet.
1: Was it good for adults, too?
0: Yeah, I found it entertaining for adults. It was a good little movie. I think I'm going to get the books and read it to my kids, and it was set up where they could make more of them, so I hope they do. Okay. I, of course, watched The Haunting of Bly Manor because that was my reward for finishing the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Watched it all the way through. I liked it. My wife actually watched it with me. It was good, but if I'm going to say that Haunting of Hill House is a 10 out of 10, I'd give Bly Manor like a 6 out of 10, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's the bar was really, really good high after hill house i now have my wife trying to go back and watch hill house with me she's made it through one episode so we're we're gonna try to <laughs> try to get her through it but it, it might be a rough one for her. have you seen it yet
1: yes and that okay so and i agree with what you said comparing it to hill house because hill house one episode in and i wanted to keep watching bly Manor, i had to give it the first three episodes because it's fucking flan again you know you're going to start getting a little drip of just enough to make you i need to know you got to wait on another episode. Right. I need to know. I don't want to go into a full blown review, but it, it drug out too long for me. And it's weird because if somebody with a short attention span that's listening to this and really doesn't want to sit down and watch it, just watch the last three episodes. Watch the last three episodes. <laughs> it'll tell you everything <laughs> without leaving out story. It'll really tie everything together and give you the backstory all at the same time. <laughs> that's a lie. Watch the watch the first one and then the last three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all i was saying. <laughs> Anyways. We don't
0: want to spoil something this new. So just go back and watch it yourself. Yeah. And the last thing that I recall watching was the remake of The Witches, which came out last Friday or Saturday. It was Friday, but I I watched that with my kids and that was actually a really good remake and my kids enjoyed it a lot more than the. 90s one, which they did like, but that's the whole point in remakes usually, right? Is like, what's dated, let's try to get a a new generation in on it. But they liked it. They liked the gags in it. The effects were pretty cool. There's a lot of CGI in it, but that usually happens with those kid movies. But Anne Hathaway is like the head witch freaked my daughter the fuck out. Like she was extra creepy. So that was, that was kind of neat, but
1: that was a fun watch with the kids. You know, it, it's, I haven't seen it, but it's funny that you bring up, you know, it, it, it becomes a CGI fest with stuff like that. I was listening to an interview with Bowsman and they were, they were asking him uh, like, you know, Oh, well, well, well do you show your kids, you know, like, like entry horror movies, you know, from the eighties, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, fuck no. And they're like, well well, why and he's like because the shit they watch on saturday morning cartoons has a higher production value than the shit we grew up (laughs) with it's not going to hold their attention and and it's true to a certain extent and i've i never looked at it that way before at least for for the next coming up generation that can't appreciate the charm of some older stuff when you know here you are telling me to ride a bike when i've got a fucking jet you know type shit."
0: (laughs) And that's why I don't always immediately hate on a remake, because some of these movies that we just cherish and love are so dated in the decade. They came from that if you're a younger person watching it, you're going to end up dismissing this awesome fucking movie just because you're like, oh, this is like my grandparents, man. (laughs) (laughs) And if it's done right, I like that. But sometimes they're just done like shit. We'll see how the craft goes here in a few days. Yeah, yeah. That was it for me. Did you watch anything else? I know you were getting ready for a Halloween party, so probably not. But
1: we watched. uh, I want to say it was an early two thousands movie called Drive Through. Okay. Where it it's about this this burger joint, and I don't want to spoil it, but you've got like you know the speaker box thing that you're talking to is this demonic clown face, and there's a demonic clown face dude from the restaurant that's slaughtering people. Uh, The main girl in it is the main chick in uh, Single Parents that show i don't know the actress's name but it was, it was a pretty fun movie but it it's like it it's it it steals from a lot of other movies to try to do its thing but it's it's worth one watch like uh it, it steals from nightmare on elm street a lot and just the the zany one-liners from the killer okay but we watched that and then last night we watched uh grave dancers or the grave dancers which i'm pretty sure is a mike mendez flick yeah it's gonna come up here in a little bit it's got dude who played uh dracula in blade three what's that guy's name Dominic Purcell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, I knew you'd know. And, uh, they're like, the, these th- three friends that end up at, after a funeral like going to, to a grave to have a drink, and then they end up dancing, and they find this card, and they say this thing, and then f- they all start getting haunted. And what they find out is they desecrated the graves, and each ah. individual, individual grave that they danced on, that ghost is coming back to torment them from one full moon to the next full moon. That's
0: interesting. Well,
1: it sounds way cooler than it is, but the CGI <laughs> that, that happens towards the end is just absurd to the point that it turns into full camp. And if the whole movie had been like that, it'd be great. But it, it's fun to watch just for the very end, even though it gets okay dumb. But that's it. <laughs> that's all I've had time to watch. Well, that's not bad considering everything we had going
0: on. But there's so many new things that are going to come out in between us recording this and the release of this episode that I almost feel like we're going to have to do a bonus episode just to catch
1: up on shit that came out for Halloween. Yeah. I guess we need to get into these two movies since the first one's like really compact and uh, should be a quick blow through.
0: <laughs> I'm fucked on that one.
1: <laughs> so we're
0: doing two similar but completely different films that honestly, we talked about doing this last year, but we did the interviews instead. We're, we had been trying to figure out how we could cover trick or treat, right? Because that is an amazing horror film. And as horror fans, I'm sure all of you watch it every year around Halloween. And we wanted to fit that in almost two whole years now. Right Yeah. And we were like, Oh, maybe we could do horror anthologies like as a whole series. And we could do like wreck and VHS and creep show and tells Halloween. And that just seems so daunting and hard to do. So we waited till our possibly last episode of the year in our favorite holiday to just go ahead and do it now. Right. Cause yeah. that was a good idea. And our two choices were trick or treat and the film I'm about to cover now, the October society's tales of Halloween that came out in 2015. And these are just like a really good catch all of Halloween horror stories and a lot of fun. And if you guys haven't seen either of these, please go ahead and, and, and give them a watch. And if you can, you know, maybe even do it before we listen to this episode. So there's some good plot twist. Yeah. And uh, these are some fun flicks and I'm really going to mess up mine, I feel like, because it's it's 10 separate short stories made by completely different people with different actors, and there's Easter eggs thrown in everywhere, and I'm sure I'm going to miss some stuff, but just bear with me. I'm not going to do the normal thing where I give you all the director, writer, cast information. I'll let you know who made each segment, and then... As famous people pop up or do cameos, I'll try to just throw them out there. But there's so many of them, I, I can't get them all. But Tales of Halloween is a total homage to horror, right? Yeah. Like, where, where Trick or Treat is this really cool interweaved story on its own, this really took things from the past and wanted to just throw in Easter eggs and sprinkle it and let the fans have fun with it, right? And there's so many people from the horror biz that directed and and wrote these shorts but they're all from different roles. Like you have special effects guys writing and directing and, and you have people who have just wrote directing and, and things like that, but they're all people that had worked together and they all know people in the business. So they could bring them in for cameos and acting and Easter eggs. And I, like I said, if you've never seen the film or even if you've seen it a hundred times, you're probably going to catch all sorts of stuff that I didn't. And it's really sad. You can't find a lot about this movie on the internet because it came out I don't know, eight years after trick or treat and <laughs> trick or treat, just like haunting a Hill house, just set the highest bar. And if you're always looking for something to beat it, it it's going to be hard to do. So like, I think if you just think of this as, an, as its own horror, Halloween anthology, there's a lot, lot to be had here. Okay. And like I said earlier, I'm not going to do full bios on everybody in the movie at the beginning. I just can't. And some of these are, are so short that it's not worth wasting the time because we could be sitting here for 12 hours doing this one fucking movie. If I did all that and we have IMDb out there for that, right? Yeah. Which is mostly correct. People involved in the films correct. Usually it's the trivia. That's, mm-mm. <laughs> but we open up with a camera flying through an animated version of a small town with lots and lots of credits. Cause there's lots and lots of people involved in this movie and you see little animations over different parts of the town that have something to do with the stories. As you'll realize, as you see the movie, and we have Adrian Barbeau as a radio DJ, just like she is in The Fog. It's basically yes. the same character she had in The Fog. <laughs> and she says, attention, all you trick-or-treaters. It's time to get your ghoul on, for tonight is All Hallows' Eve, my favorite time of year. Our little town really comes alive on October 31st, when witches and devils, imps and monsters roam our town. She's going to be our pseudo-narrator throughout this film, because you can hear her radio show playing in each segment. And she's usually saying something relevant to the story, especially if they have her talking before. And I wish I would have like notated everything she said, but it's a little too spot on with some of these short stories. Yeah. It might be something I like super clip everything together. Like just her, her little monologue would be kind of fun to do down the road. Okay. But our first story is called sweet tooth and it was written and directed by Dave Parker who wrote the house of the dead movie. And he's primarily an editor. Okay. That wasn't the best video game adaptation I'd ever seen, but it wasn't a UA bowl movie. So it had that (laughs) going for it. But like I said, the guy's primarily an editor and this is uh, honestly, this is one of the really cool stories I, I felt like. So it really grasped that whole urban legend feel, but we opened up with a kid dressed as snake Plissken gorging himself on candy from his trick or treat bag as a zombie is gorging itself on human flesh from the original night of the living dead on the TV And this movie works as kind of a timeline throughout the film because everybody seems to be watching it if there's a TV around. Yep. And you can tell when things are happening story-wise based off of where they are in Night of the Living Dead, which is really cool, I feel like. Totally. We find out that the kid's name is Mikey, and he's told the story of Sweet Tooth from his babysitter's douchebag boyfriend. (laughs) We find out that this kid, Timmy, had really strict parents that would let him go trick-or-treat all night long, but they wouldn't let him eat his candy when he came home. And they told him to make him fat and lazy. So he'd have to give them the candy and go to bed. And he really wanted to know what they did with his candy every year. So that year he snuck down and he sees his parents eating all this candy. And I mean, they're like sexually eating it out of each other's mouth and like caressing each other and eating all of his candy. Okay. Dicks. Yeah, exactly. And after they get the sugar high, they crash. Right. And they pass out. But that night after they pass out from eating all of his candy, Timmy sneaks in there and kills and dismembers his parents, right? And then he eats his first piece of candy off the floor and he's hooked on it. So he eats all of the candy that's left and it just wasn't enough. He wanted more. So he then digs all of the candy out of his parents' stomachs and intestines and ate all the candy that he could find. Which is fucking wicked. <laughs> and Mikey is told that Timmy's spirit roams on Halloween to satisfy his sweet tooth and you have to leave candy out for him or he'll take all of yours, even what you've already eaten, which is a cool ass fucking urban legend. And, and they say yeah. that's something they're all told. Right. So that was a really cool idea. So Mikey goes to bed scared as fuck and his sitter and her douchebag boyfriend stay up. But Mikey's smart and he leaves out a carpenter candy bar for sweet tooth.
1: Hmm. <laughs>
0: snake Pliskin, mikey carpenter <laughs> i'm sensing a pattern here just a little bit in the uh throwbacks right so they obviously didn't use real candy so there's some funny names on the candies in here but he leaves a candy bar right by his door in case sweet tooth comes however the sitter and her douchebag boyfriend are not as smart as mikey and they eat all of his candy okay and the sitter gets mad at at her boyfriend for scaring mikey and he's just like, it's a town tradition. Get over it, right? And they start getting sick to their stomach, and she runs to go with some Pepto or something. Yeah. And we see Tommy wake up to odd noises outside his house, and he hears a creepy, deep voice say, trick or treat, and he hides under his bed, right? And while the sitter's gone to get the Pepto, the, the boyfriend passes out on the couch, and he hears something, and he opens his eyes and wakes up to Sweet Toots, which is a really fucking creepy-looking, practical effects, monster, ghoul thing, right? Yeah. And he kills the boyfriend by ramming his hand down his throat and pulling his guts out of his mouth, right? And the sitter comes back to find her boyfriend dead and hears something in the house. She goes to check on it and she looks right. I like the camera's pulled back. I really like it. She looks right and then looks left and runs off. And then you just see Sweet Tooth running with his arms out behind her. It's so fucking creepy. (laughs) Yeah. Just from one end of the frame to the other. And we cut to Mikey's room as he hears the sitter screaming and getting ripped apart. And then it just stops. And then he watches this creepy dead monster hand open the door and come in and grab the uh, the carpenter bar and pull it out and leave. He's safe because he left candy for sweet tooth. It's like it leaves one piece. That's not that bad. Yeah. But Mikey's parents come home and they find the sitter and boyfriend dead with their guts pulled out and mike is just standing there they all my candy those fuckers i know i know it was a really fun segment and and like i said some of these stories are so short i don't want to announce everything as we go so i have a little tidbit section i'm gonna do at the end if relevant okay sweet tooth's parents were played by robert Russler, who we know from weird science and Freddy's revenge right yeah and caroline williams who was in texas chainsaw massacre 2 Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 and Hatchet 3, apparently, which I haven't seen yet. And then Mikey's parents were played by Greg Grunberg from I mean, he's in just about everything J.J. Abrams ever made because they're friends. <laughs> but I always know him from Heroes primarily. Right. And oh, Claire yeah. Crame. And they were in big ass spiders together and became a couple in that film. So now that's they're like right. married with a kid in this and they have the same names in the credits as their characters did in big ass spiders and they're dressed as exterminators.
1: I didn't catch that. That's that's a good catch. So we got a couple of
0: uh, horror people acting in the, in the film. We got a lot of John Carpenter references and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Our second segment is the night Billy raised hell. Which was directed by Darren Lynn Balsman, who did Saw Two, onward all the way up to Spinal, which isn't out yet, and Repo the Genetic Opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we open up with a kid named Billy trick-or-treating in a devil costume with his big sister and her douchebag boyfriend. I'm guessing this is a pattern. (laughs) The boyfriend insults the girlfriend, the mom, and Billy. Making fun of Billy being a dork and basically, you know, calling the mom and the girlfriend sluts because they're costumes, right? Just a big ass hat. And he explains to Billy that you have to do the tricks to get the treats. And there's a man in the neighborhood named Mr. Abaddon, real subtle name there, that hates (laughs) Halloween. And the boyfriend tells Billy that he has to fuck with him. So he gives Billy a an egg and Billy goes up to the porch to egg the door from right in front of it. I, I've never <laughs> done a point blank egging, but it's his first time, man. <laughs> <laughs> right right but he's caught by mr abaddon who reaches out and grabs his hand at the door and he looks creepy as hell and we see that he's got one hell of an arm because he takes the egg from billy and chunks it at the boyfriend while him and the girlfriend are running away and just pegs him in the back of the head and takes him down <laughs> and for some reason they're not worried about billy missing for the rest of the night at this
1: point oh they're fucking <laughs> maybe but we see him trick or treating later well you got to have the candy while you're fucking didn't you watch the first segment?
0: <laughs> Shit. <laughs> The only thing they were fucking was a Pepto bottle, man. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Abaddon takes Billy into his house and tells him nice costume. And he takes his hat off. And we can see that Mr. Abaddon has pointy ears and horns and is dun, dun, duh, a demon, right? Who would have ever thought with that name? <laughs> and he asked Billy about his mom's costume this year which hints towards what the douchebag boyfriend was saying, that she dresses slutty and sexy, right? Yeah. And he tells Billy that he's going to teach him what a real Halloween prank is. What ensues over the next few minutes is just fucking hilarious. We see Abaddon happily trick-or-treating because he could show off his horns and his face. Because it's Halloween, right? It's a costume. He's flirting with women, including Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp. This is one of her (laughs) couple cameos in here. She's dressed as a cat chick and he purrs at her. But he takes Billy trick-or-treating and teaches him how to, let's see, shank shitty candy givers, (laughs) destroy Halloween decorations with baseball bats and fire, trip kids, and then take their candy at gunpoint (laughs) while shooting at the air. And I think he takes their wallets too, right? Like all the adults' money. And then they (laughs) proceed to rob a liquor store. Okay. And it's just really funny seeing the kid like point the gun and shoot in the costume. It's hilarious. Yes. At some point, Abaddon fakes a heart attack in the middle of the road to stop a car for carjacking. And the car belongs to Adrian Curry, who was famous for America's Next Top Model originally, right? And she's done some acting. And she's playing herself because Abaddon's like, oh, I'm your biggest fan. Can I get an autograph? <laughs> but what's really cool is she's dressed as Mia Sarah from Legend.
1: Yes. Fucking goth lily. Yeah,
0: exactly. So it was really cool because we just covered that movie. So it was nice to see that. And it goes with the uh, devil theme, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. But after they get her autograph, they take her car and they're eating like KFC or knockoff KFC, (laughs) right? And drinking knockoff Pepsi (laughs) while listening to rap music and running over children in the middle of the
1: streets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And for Billy's next adventure, we see him tagging a garage door with Billy Thompson owns the night. And we can hear a police chopper in the air like it's searching for somebody. I wonder who for the final prank. We see him burn a bag of shit with a bear trap under it. (laughs) So that when the person comes out and stomps on the fire, it closes on their leg. And it's the same guy dressed as a dentist that gave the toothbrush to him and got shanked earlier. So the guy got double fucked. Just don't give out toothbrushes on Halloween. It's a douchebag move. Okay. (laughs) But they head back to Mr. Abaddon's house and we can hear police, fire trucks, ambulances everywhere in the background. And they enter the home and we can see that Billy's actually tied up in a chair with his devil costume on and his mask off. And we also see Billy in the devil costume next to Abaddon, who takes the mask off and shows that he's an actual imp or demon wearing Billy's devil costume or a costume like that. Billy's really confused, though, because Mr. Abaddon didn't teach him about Halloween pranks like he said he was. Oh, I believe I did. And I believe you'll find some visitors at your home. So Billy steps outside of the house and is immediately arrested by Adam Green as a cop who runs up on him and he wets himself and we fade to black and hear gunshots go off. I'm assuming Billy got shot and killed by the police.
1: That's a prank right there. That is a prank. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a few little tidbits on this one was Mr. Abaddon is played by Barry Bostwick. Goddamn right he is. <laughs> who's in so much fucking shit? But let's face it, he's probably. In here for being Brad Majors from Rocky Horror Picture Show, right? Oh, Brad! <laughs> <laughs> and the only other cameo that I caught was Felissa Rose in the cat costume, like I said earlier. But you can see different people in costumes throughout that, that line up with other stories. But I, we're not going to call all those out. And God, I feel like I'm rushing through these, but they're short films, guys. I hope I'm doing them justice. (laughs) This is fun, man. It's like story time. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I did not know how this was going to go. (laughs) You have it so much easier when you do your movie. I do. My shit's connected. (laughs) But for our next segment, we have Trick, which was directed by Adam Girash. I hope I didn't butcher his name, but he was the writer and director of the Night of the Demons remake, and he wrote The Toolbox Murders, which was directed by Toby Hooper.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
0: We open up to some stoner adults watching the opening scene to Night of the Living Dead, so we know that this happens before the other stories, right? Okay. And they're smoking a bunch of pot and taking turns handing out candy to kids as they come to the door. And one of them comments on the amount of pirates there are this year, and another says maybe they have eye patches on because they're all missing an eye.
1: You're so bad. (laughs)
0: Most of the candy giving is uneventful until one time we see a girl in a witch costume that really appears to be an homage to Rhonda from trick or treat to me. Like she's got the glasses and everything. This is eight years after trick or treat. It, It has to be like homage to Rhonda. Yeah. And the little girl says trick and then violently stabs the door greeter. In the gut, like just disemboweling him. (laughs) And the Shanky walks into the house and falls to the floor, bleeding out. And the group freaks out. And one of them is shunned for suggesting that they call 911. (laughs) So one of the other women runs out to get the car to drive him to the hospital himself. And when she gets to the core, her Achilles tendon is cut by a kid hiding under the core and she collapses and is then surrounded by many other kids in costumes that violently beat and stab her.
1: You said Shanky.
0: I know, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. In the house, we can see that the guests are confused as to where the core is they're waiting on until they notice the woman that went to get it comes staggering through the backyard and fall into their swimming pool. One of the guests is then flamethrowered by a girl with a lighter and a hairspray can and then force fed rat poison as his mouth is duct taped shut. These kids are fucking going all out on these motherfuckers, right? Yes. I really hope they deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) The final survivor makes a run to the garage and she hides in the dark behind a sheet and she goes to call nine one one and then hesitates for some reason. The group of kids then innocently walk through the house, eating candy and washing their hands, right? Like nothing happened. (laughs) As we see the final house guest deleting pictures off of her phone. And it's of this group of adults, torturing kids, pulling their eyeballs out, pulling their teeth out, chewing on some of their body parts, just covered in blood, which is just fucking gross and terrifying. And I guess she doesn't know how the cloud works. (laughs) (laughs) So the kids enter the garage room and turn the lights on, and we can see that it's basically set up as a white sterile room, like in a hospital, and there's actually a kid tied to the bed and alive with her eye missing. And we see torture devices all over the room, and we see eyeballs and other body parts in jars. Yep. The final adult girl looks panicked as the kids surround her. And the girl that was tied up gets to kill the woman with an axe.
1: Happy Halloween, you fucking sick. No! <laughs>
0: <laughs> we then see flashes of the adults removing body parts from it's like Polaroid pictures, right? And they're they appear to be eating these kids. I don't understand exactly what was going on, but it was fucked up. And this was like a dark one of the darker segments, right? Yeah. And the only tidbit that I caught was Tiffany Sheppes, was one of the stoner women on the couch. And she started out in Trauma Flicks and did quite a few of them. But her first was James Gunn's Tromeo and Juliet. And she was in a lot of indie films and horror films, if you look at her her credits, including Victor Crowley. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I feel like I'm blazing through these, Josh. Yeah, but you have what, seven more to go still? I think I do. I think <laughs> I do. So let's just keep this rolling. For our next segment, we have The Week in the Wicked, and I feel really bad. I feel like I'm, I'm butchering some of these directors that I don't know his names that well, but I, I believe it's Paul Solit, and he did Dark Summer and Bullethead, were the two prominent ones I saw on there. So Dark Summer, I heard of. I hadn't heard of Bullethead.
1: Yeah, I got nothing on any of this. <laughs> <laughs> but we open with a feral
0: kid in a sheriff costume, savagely eating a bag of Halloween candy, basically like the zombie from Night of the Living Dead earlier. And he thinks he hears something and is frightened by the sight of three bikes parked up against a wall. And by bikes, I mean like mountain bikes. And one of them says malice on it. And he panics and tries to run, but is grabbed by two guys and thrown against a wall. I would like to point out that while all this is going on, you have Western music playing in the background and like old Western TV sounds like the tumbleweed blowing, right? Like it's supposed to be Western in a modern time. The two goons hold the sheriff up against the wall as a girl approaches smoking a Clint Eastwood cowboy style cigar. And we find out her name is Alice and she has the goons remove the kid's sock and shoes so she can burn his foot. But they're interrupted by an oddly dressed kid or man in a horned helmet and some sort of self-made body armor with a pocket watch.
1: (laughs) Some murder (laughs) party shit.
0: I know I know it really does like murder party they have a bit of a a showdown stare with them like the wild west in an alley and Alice approaches this stranger and she notices that he has weird shit pinned all over his jacket and he has a little bit of blood running down his face that you can see from his forehead under the ski mask right and the stranger hands Alice a piece of paper with a horned monster holding a decapitated head on it and he spouts some shit about the wicked
1: spills the blood of the wicked where the
0: wicked have harmed the weak Alice wants to know if he thinks he turned himself into a monster with this suit, but she's doing the whole thing, talking tough, like a cowboy and with a cigar in her mouth. And it really is done like a Western out of place because of where they're at. Right. Yeah. And Alice has one of her goons knock the kid's helmet off and he runs away and she says mount up and they put on their mask or or bandanas or whatever they all have. And they go chasing him on their mountain bikes now to a hardcore score, right? (laughs) after a bit of chase they end up cornering the stranger until he scales a wall and gets away and he stops in front of a burnt up trailer and looks at his pocket watch and you kind of get like at first you get mad when you're watching you're like why is he stopping right like because he keeps stopping at different places letting him catch up and it it feels like he's, he's trying to lure him somewhere yeah yeah where might you ask let's cue the flashback to the caravan (laughs) and we see a kid in a bunny suit crying at the burning trailer, wanting his mom and dad who are burning to death inside. And we can see that there's a couple unconscious on the floor. And one of them's holding the watch that he has now that says for dad on the back in an engraving behind this kid. We see three kids dressed up as cowboy skeletons laughing with a lighter and the camera zooms in on the girl's eyes because it's a girl and two boys, and they're the same color as Alice's. And it fades to the alley with the grown-up kid standing in front of the burn-up trailer with the three of them behind him. So you know it, there, it's them, right?
1: Yeah, and she's been flicking that lighter before all this too. So
0: yeah, but Alice says, "You must be little Jimmy Henson to the stranger, right?" And it's so like you know, my dad loves watching Western shows and movies. So I've had to watch them my whole life, and it's so done that way. And Alice has her thugs hold Jimmy down after he says that his parents were innocent. And he then goes on a rant about carving the words in flesh at the location of the offense. And they start to beat the shit out of little Jimmy Henson. And we can see that he has symbols or runes carved in his forehead, right? Alice yeah. pulls this bat out of this like holster on her leg. That would be like a rifle holster, you know, and pours booze all over Jimmy. And says that this is poetic. All of them together at this location on all hellos Eve. (laughs) And she goes to light Jimmy up. And her thugs get yanked away in the background, out of frame by something. And Alice gets scared. And we see a flashback of her dropping the page that Jimmy handed her in the alley earlier in the segment as she threw it on the ground. And there was something on the back. And it was a ritual to summon a demon that only works on Hallow's Eve. And it was carved the flesh, go to the location of the offense, blah, blah, blah. He, Jimmy just performed this ritual. Yeah. And we see this giant flesh covered demon thing growl at Alice. And then we cut to Jimmy laughing as we hear her get ripped apart and blood splatter all over his face. The <laughs> end of that segment. <laughs> Tidbits here we have Keir Gilchrist as the stranger or little Jimmy Henson. He played little Henry in Dead Silence, which we've covered on the podcast ah. before. But he was more recently in It Follows. I
1: ah, still haven't
0: watched that again. Oh, you got to watch it, man. <laughs> Gracie Gillum, who played Alice, was on the Vampire Diaries, Z Nation, and Scream Queens. Oh, huh. And she also was, oh, I can't think of her name. She's in the Fright Night reboot. She's the main chick's best friend that's hanging oh, okay. out with her the whole time. So so she's done a, quite a bit of horror stuff now, but mainly TV. And And she was on like a few episodes of the vampire diaries but i think she's on a lot of z nation so she's primarily a tv actress from what i can see i laughed at one of the thugs because i noticed him immediately from the disney descendants movies that my daughter loves <laughs> and i have to watch all the time and he's like one of the main four kids he's jafar from aladdin's son oh nice and uh, his name's boo boo stewart but it was just weird seeing this disney kid in this horror movie playing a bad guy <laughs> And I pulled him up on IMDb to see what else he was in. And he was Seth in the Twilight movies. So that was really funny. I never <laughs> realized it was him because his hair is so long in Descendants. and so short in that. And yes, I've seen the Twilight movies. I watched the first one because <laughs> it was a vampire movie. And everybody was talking about it and realized it sucked. And I had to watch the rest of them because I was a projectionist. And I had to put them together. But I remember who Seth was. <laughs> <laughs> the last little tidbit is when we see young Jimmy in the flashback. He's played by Jake Dylan Grazer, who was Little Eddie in the It remake.
1: Ah, that's the first one out of them that was a miss for me. I mean, it's all right, but it's the first one that's
0: a miss. It was the first one that was a miss for me the first time I saw it. I liked it more on additional watches okay. just because it, it's so original with the West thing and the modern part. And they really didn't have a lot of time. And if you think about it, they, they told like a backstory in there perfectly and everything. Yeah. And summoning a demon without explaining shit. So like if, the more I thought about it, I was like, it really did explain a whole lot of stuff without doing that in a short time. So I liked it for that. Honestly, that's uh, that seems to be one of the favorites on the internet. When I look around, huh? I couldn't find fuck off or behind the scenes, but you can find plenty of people ranking. the ten. <laughs> <laughs> The next story is Grim Grinning Ghost, and it's written and directed by Axel Carolyn, who is the creator of this anthology and the producer. She did some shorts, a little bit of acting. She recently directed the episode of Bly Manor called Romance of Certain Old Clothes, which was the whole flashback episode explaining The Lady in the Lake. Okay. So she just directed that. And she wrote a couple Sabrina episodes recently. But I found out she used to be a journalist and worked for a couple online sites. But before that, she worked for Fangoria doing articles, which I'm assuming is how she knew all these fucking people to get them together to do this. Ah. And she had a fun little AMA on Reddit that I read. And she was like, if this does well, we're definitely going to do this again. And honestly, I think this movie kind of slipped by the first couple of years, right? Yeah. But this opening scene is just chopped full of cameos. And I'm going to do my best here. And I'm actually going to say everybody as we go on this one. But we open up to a Halloween party with Lynn Shay telling a ghost story to Barbara Crampton, who played Megan in the Reanimator, and she was in From Beyond and she was in Your Next. Yeah. Mick Garris, who yeah. does the show postmortem, and you know, he wrote and directed Hocus Pocus. He directed the stand. He's done so much shit. Everybody knows who who Mick Garris is. Stuart Gordon, who is the writer and director of the reanimator and from beyond, which was really cool to see him in there. Yeah. And Alec Esso, who was a newcomer at this point, and she's playing Lin Shay's daughter named Lynn in, in the segment. But she most recently played Wendy Torrance in Dr. Sleep. And she was Charlotte Wingrave, the mom in Haunting of Bly Manor. And she's one of the stars of Midnight Mass that's about to come out by Flanagan. So she's a new going to be an everything Flanagan makes person.
1: Okay. And we're cramming everybody in here. Yes.
0: (laughs) But the ghost story that Lynn Shay is telling is about Mary Bailey, who was made fun of and bullied her whole life for being disfigured. And her ghost now comes out on Halloween to laugh at you behind your back. But if you look at her, she'll take your eyes. (laughs) We see Alex Esso's character, Lynn, gets scared really easy, and she's real timid because this part of the story really freaked her out. And this is the point we find out that she's Lynn Shay's daughter, and they're talking in the yard, and she thanks her for having this awesome party that she has every year. And her mom makes a joke about her car being an old piece of shit, and why didn't she get a new one, right? So Lynn's driving home. And on the way to her house, her car breaks down and she gets out and she's trying to fix it. And she gets pissed and slams the hood and doesn't realize that her cell phone that she was using as a flashlight was sitting right there. So she slams (laughs) the hood, breaking the cell phone in half, basically, and is forced to walk home. And honestly, that is one of the better ways I've ever seen to get rid of a cell phone and a horror movie without it being like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Cause she's pissed drunk. They just established that <laughs> she had to use it as a flashlight because there's no streetlights around to look at her engine that's overheating. And then she slammed the hood on it. So it was pretty good. It's a lot better than throwing it in a pudding bowl, like in Halloween, 2018. <laughs> but as Lynn walks home, she continues to get creeped out by her mother's story as she keeps hearing laughter. But she realizes that it's trick-or-treaters couples walking home from a party Halloween decorations, but eventually she is on the home stretch and she hears a creepy cackle behind her on this really dark, foggy road. And she knows this time that it has to be Mary Bailey, right? And she doesn't want to look behind her. So if you look over her shoulder, you can see a silhouette of Mary. And Lynn takes off, and it's just following her, kind of creepy. You can't really tell what's going on because the fog, but it doesn't look natural. Yeah. And occasionally, we swap perspectives to Mary, and we see her creepy witch fingers, like, extending and popping, like, reaching for her. And Lynn barely makes it into her house safely. And she starts laughing. She thinks she overreacted. Right. And we see her getting ready for bed and brushing her teeth in the bathroom. And we get that creepy bathroom mirror bullshit, like in house, (laughs) right. Where you're waiting on there to be something in the mirror when she shuts it, but it doesn't happen. This, this segment's really good at like trying to build up tension. Right. Yeah. And after, you know, you wait on the mirror, jump scare and it doesn't happen. You see the door creep open. But nobody's there. And she looks down and her dog runs in. And that's actually the director's dog. She threw her dog in the movie. Okay. You know, Lynn's like, oh, you know, thank God it was nothing. And she goes and sits down on her couch while Night of the Living Dad's playing on the TV. But she's reading a book. And her dog gets spooked and runs off. And the camera pans around. And we can see Lynn lean forward trying to figure out where her dog went. And as she leans back, we see Mary on the couch grinning beside her fade to black. But that was a pretty creepy, like, just ghost story. And if I remember correctly, it's actually based off of, uh, like, a mythology story where where your eyes were taken if you look back. But it was kind of cool and kind of creepy, and it was neat to see that many famous horror people in one room together, right? Yeah. But that was one of the supernatural creepier ones. But the next one, Ding Dong, is fucked up in a completely different way, as you'll see. But it was directed by Lucky McKee, who did May and the Woman. And a lot of people say this is like out of, even though he's done movies, this is one of their favorite things he's done. Yeah. But we open with a creepy witch hand and a fire as we hear a ding dong sound in the background. And we see text on the screen that says Jack and Bobby's house last Halloween. We see Bobby sitting in a chair crying as she sees all of the children outside trick-or-treating and she's upset that they don't have a child of their own. And Jack walks up with the dog dressed up in a Gretel costume and this pisses Bobby off even more. <laughs> she hauls back and decks him and lays him out and now she looks like a, a creepy fucking witch with this like red skin and black makeup and forearms and bent clawed fingers and she starts to cackle and yell. <laughs> we cut to this year's halloween and we see that jack's looking into a mirror and he's dressed up as a ridiculous Hansel. and we hear like him thinking out loud say that he could not give her what she wanted right yeah that being a child bobby snatches him and takes him to the door and she's dressed up as a more traditional witch in this scene and he's worried that she's going to get upset As you see the kids, and he starts to have flashbacks of him just bleeding on the floor and (laughs) her being a witch as the doorbell rings. It's a ding-dong, right? (laughs) Yeah. We see the kids from the trick segment, only they're happy and actually look to be trick-or-treating right now, so... I don't know if this is before or after the uh, massacre at the stoner house, but I'm assuming it's before. I would think so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. there wasn't another Living Dead reference in here, I don't think. I don't think they're watching it. Ah. But Bobby does this weird thing talking with an accent about how she's fattening up Hansel with candy so she can eat him later. And she says she already ate Gretel. And she pulls out a whole ponytail out of her throat with an ear attached at the end and says that she ate the ear last so that she could hear herself being eaten and freaks out all the kids and myself personally. <laughs> This continues as we see her swallowing the ponytail over and over again, smacking Jack regularly and prepping her boobs each time as more and more kids come, right? And at some point, we see Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp again as a mom in a cat suit, and we see Mikey from Sweet Tooth dressed up as Snake Plissken like all his trick-or-treaters, right? Yep. And this goes on until a little girl shows up that makes Bobby want a kid again, and they go into the house sad and Jack says maybe they should go to bed and is slapped by a creepy witch hand out of nowhere that crawls back behind her back, right? And she wants to know why he makes her do it.
1: <laughs> it's like an abusive parent.
0: <laughs> uh, it's abusive of something. That's what's so dark about this one. <laughs> she then manically decides that she wants to make cookies, and Jack can just see her as a creepy witch around the oven while she's doing it. And Bobby starts talking about their bad luck having kids as she sets the oven to 666 degrees until one last kid shows up and he's a scared looking Gretel. So he looks really alone and afraid, dressed just like Jack is, but as a kid. Yep. And Bobby starts trying to console him and get him to come in the house. But all Jack can see is the witch, like grabbing the kid and trying to yank him in. And he wants to help find the parents, but Bobby gives him like a death glare when he says that he'll go to the sidewalk and look for the parents. But finally, he sees a mom walking on the sidewalk, scared, and he signals her, hey, is this your kid? And the mom comes and gets her kid and looks at them like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And Jack's in some shit now, right? Yeah. So he goes inside and Bobby starts crying and she wants to know what is wrong with her and Jack lets her know that maybe people like them shouldn't have kids because of the way that (laughs) she treats him and what she does to him and then he drops the bomb that he got a vasectomy so that he couldn't fuck up some kid's life, right? (laughs) She then fully witches out on him, beats his ass and shoves him in the oven just like Hansel and Gretel and then she starts to melt from her own tears on her face. Yeah. The end. This is one of the Darker segments, and I believe it's just because of how real it is with the with the spousal abuse, right? Yeah, and you don't even know if she's actually a monster or a witch. Like that just could be how Jack sees her in his head because she beats someone and is so manipulative to him, right? Yeah, and I mean it's just a very real horror story of abuse. And Lucky has never said if she was actually a witch or not in interviews.
1: Okay, like so that's up to you. I really like this one on paper for for a lot of those reasons it just feels through through the segment it feels a little disjointed like when she's doing the boob adjustment hair swallowing montage yeah like it's it just the the whole thing it's just it feels a little disjointed but still fucked up yeah and I, I like the hands coming out of nowhere and you know recoiling back behind her the creepy witch scenes
0: are very simply done in a very effective way that is very creepy looking and the cinematography on it and the editing on it like this is some really good horror editing in this segment the way it cuts between her and, and the witch version yeah and and the actress really sells it with her face too the way she does it and by the way if she looks familiar to you it's because she's Jadis from the walking dead but after going from this really realistic dark one we go to kind of a more fun one which is kind of fucked up saying it that way but uh <laughs> This segment's called This Means War, and it was written and directed by John Skip, who wrote Nightmare on Elm Street 5 Dream Child. Ah, no. (laughs) (laughs) But this is an interesting one, because it actually has two directors and two writers. Like, they're a team. So it's actually, it's written and directed by John Skip and Andrew Cash, and Andrew Cash was the director and editor for almost every horror documentary ever made that you've ever seen in your life, including (laughs) Never Sleep Again.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah, his IMDb deets are just insane, but he just does horror documentaries, basically. But he's like the producer, nice. director, you know, writer, editor on all this. Huh. But we open up to a man named Boris, which is a good little joke there when we get into this, meticulously decorating his house and yard with Halloween decorations, while his neighbor Dante across the street has a very large delivery truck of much more graphic halloween decorations <laughs> and we can see that boris has a much more reserved like old tommy horror setup, up while the couple across the street are like goth and metal right like yeah. and just completely different people
1: yeah metal tits and ass yeah, yeah, yeah but basically it just cuts
0: back and forth between them doing their decorations and smiling and competing against each other trying to top each other right it's kind of fun how they do it yeah and the big night is here And Boris is trying to chat with some trick-or-treaters with this animatronic skeleton he has right as a big metal party breaks out across the street. And he's not having this. So he angrily goes across the street to Dante and asks him to turn the music down. And Dante basically says, fuck you. This is my favorite holiday. And Boris responds with it being a sacred holiday. And they argue back and forth on the different styles of each other's decorations and the historic being shit on by the modern until they begin to thrash each other's shit.
1: Of course you realize this means
0: war. (laughs) <laughs> at this point a battle ensues and the whole neighborhood circles around them and starts cheering and even starts placing bets it's a pretty comical battle the way they're like flying through shit and end up in a coffin that shuts closed and breaks open yeah. until we see boris run and tackle dante and accidentally impaling and killing both of them on a um, a broken like two by four that was holding up a standy right Yeah. And that's it. They're dead. Uh, I think this is another segment maybe where Adam Green rolls up as a cop, right? I could be wrong, though, because he pops up a few times. Yeah. A few interesting tidbits in this section is I thought this was basically the Halloween horror version of the movie Deck the Halls. Oh, okay. (laughs) I mean, it really
1: is.
0: (laughs) And it's also really interesting because it's that old battle of classic Silver Age horror movies versus modern, you know graphic gory slasher era movies right yeah and you can really tell by the decorations at their houses like boris is named boris for example like boris korloff and all the tombstones in his uh yard are silver age horror characters right like and and that was what he was saying in his argument is that's when it was beautiful and now it's destroyed by this which was the much more 80s modern horror right and there were quite a few cameos in here, and this is just kind of like in order of appearance, but Boris was played by Dana Gould, And if, I'm sure that name probably would look really familiar to you on paper, but he's um, a writer and producer and actor on the Simpsons, like the entire span of the show. So you've probably seen yeah. that name pop up on Simpsons credits quite a bit. And he's also a writer, producer and actor on stand versus evil as well as a bunch of other shit. Right. Yep. Dante was played by James Duvall. Who's been in so much stuff? But let's just say Doom Generation, yeah. Independence Day, and Donnie Darko. Yep. And Adam Green, of course, was the puking cop. Which, if I didn't say earlier, writer and director of Holliston and the Hatchet series, and so much more, and the host of the podcast, the Movie Crypt. Yeah, yeah. Well, co-host, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to give Joe Lynch some love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There are so many other people that are at this party that are producers, special effects people, so many different walks of life in the horror genre. And a lot of people that work on the horror docs I was talking about earlier, just all thrown in as background characters in here and okay. people that you could catch. Like this person was in this movie and that, but it was just like a really nice, like just gathering. Who wants to be in the scene? Right. <laughs> and that was a really fun one. And, and I will say, I feel like the pacing is done pretty well of this anthology. Like, when you go from, like, the darker, or serious ones, like Ding Dong, and then you throw in This Means War. Yeah. And then you go into one of my favorite segments, Friday the 31st,
1: <laughs> which is
0: directed by Mike Mendez, who directed Big S, Spiders, and The Grave Dancers. And this one is also written by Dave Parker, who wrote House of the Dead, that wrote and directed Sweet Tooth earlier. Okay. But this one opens up with a girl dressed as Dorothy running from a slasher that looks like a mix of Jason Voorhees and Victor Crowley. Yes. And if you pay close attention, she was at a Halloween party in a previous segment. Ah. But she runs from the slasher through the woods and ends up at this giant tool shed. And she runs in and barricades the door and sees that this shed is the slasher's lair and it's full of weapons, bodies, heads, and the fucking Necronomicon yeah it is there's also this like shriveled decapitated head next to her friend's head on the table that i know is from something i could not figure it out so if anybody (laughs) knows please email me but the slasher busts the door and dorothy attacks this jason wannabe with whatever weapon she can grab and she runs away thinking she made it but he grabs a spear out of a body and he chunks it across the field and impales and kills her As he approaches the body, a UFO appears above him in the sky and beams down a trick-or-treating alien. (laughs) Yes, I just said that. And yes, I love this segment, as silly as it sounds. That's so good. He's a cute little claymation guy, and he keeps saying, trick-or-treat. And the UFO leaves, right? But the slasher's like, uh," because he's like, you know, he's slow, like Jason, right? And, And he... He doesn't have any candy on him. And he's like patting down, like, I don't have anything to give you, kid. (laughs) And he starts to get annoyed as it keeps saying trick or treat. So he ends up saying, fuck, it just smashes the little guy with his boot. It's so sad. I know. I know. The slasher turns around and walks off. And we see the little alien turn into slime and go into Dorothy's mouth as the slasher walks away. But he knows some shit's up. He heads back to the body. Just as it sets up and screams, the glowing green eyes and scares the shit out of the slasher. So he yells like a girl and takes off running. (laughs) And the glowing eyes, Dorothy's floating behind him, hauling ass. Looks just like a deadite from a Sam Raimi Evil Dead movie. Damn fucking right. Done purposely and and perfectly, I would like to add. (laughs) And it's just so funny because he runs the same path Dorothy did earlier and he's screaming the same way and he approaches the shed from the same camera angle like, oh, maybe I can hide in there. (laughs) And he goes in and tries to barricade the door and she smashes through the door because he came through the window earlier when he attacked her. So she smashes through the barricade door and he tries to defend himself in a very Sam Raimi-like battle. It's just... Fucking hilarious because they're just like beating the shit out of each other and dismembering each other with weapons, and neither one of them can die. And there's blood spraying everywhere, and eventually they end up doing a Superman versus Doomsday punch, decapitating each other simultaneously. I think he gets over the chainsaw, and it actually looks a lot like Mia doing the chainsaw down into the dead eye at the end of the Evil Dead remake. Yes. As the Dorothy gets like a meat cleaver swing on his head, and they're both decapitated and they fall over, and the alien climbs out of Dorothy's mouth grabs the killer's head, and beams up with it. Tweet tweet. <laughs> this segment is so fucking fun and has so much going for it. And we got a slasher. Like, it's a straight-up old-school eighty slasher story, so I'm going to love that anyways. Yep. And then there's so much Evil Dead thrown in here, which I discovered at, at Josh's Halloween party. Evil Dead 2 might actually be my favorite horror movie. It's better <laughs> Halloween. It's got to be. But I, I watch both of them so much. But I, I really love... Evil Dead and Sam Raimi, and honestly, like Fede Alvarez did a fucking amazing job with Evil Dead, but he made his Evil Dead, right? Yeah. This guy did like the homage remake, yeah, type yeah, yeah, type thing, right? Like where where it, you could have told me Sam Raimi fucking made this one, I would have believed you.
1: <laughs> <Don't> you? <laughs> but
0: it's a lot of fun, and you know, modern day gore and horror movies for the modern gore hounds is sometimes just like very graphic torture porn type shit right like like body horror this was just that old school 80s like a limb just falls off and just starts spraying blood across the room and it was just fun all of it was fucking fun
1: yeah my favorite segment in the fucking flick the
0: next one's called the ransom of rusty rex <laughs> and i really like this one as well because it has some funny shit but i'm a big fan of one of the actors and, and i'll go through that as we go but it was written and directed by ryan Schifrin, who made a dominable in 2006, which I haven't seen. I've heard of it before. And I saw that Jeffrey Combs was in it. So
1: I don't think I've seen that.
0: I might want to after this segment, (laughs) but we open up with two criminals waiting in a van in front of a millionaire's house. And we can see that the millionaire is John Landis, right? And he's sending his son out trick or treating alone. And the criminals are talking about the ransom that they're going to get. And they mask up and stalk the kid until they can kidnap him. I can't remember the two criminals' names, so I'm just going to refer to them as Sam and Jose for now, and that's because it's the actor's name. So we'll get to that at the end. But Sam and Jose take the, the kid they kidnapped back to this warehouse, right? Looks like the murder party warehouse, quite frankly. Yeah. And <laughs> Sam Wetware calls John Landis and tells him that he has his son and he wants five mil for him. And he starts to make his demands and gets an unrespected response. You poor bastard. You have no idea what you've done. No, I think I have a hell of Oh, what the fuck? Did he just hang up with me? Sam gives Jose a confused look and then calls John back and asks him why he hung up on him because they're supposed to be (laughs) negotiating the release of his son. And he's hung up on again. Not interested. Do not call this number again. Okay, listen to me. I'm not playing around with you. Oh, what the fuck? At this time, Rusty breaks out of the bindings that they have him in and is hiding somewhere in the warehouse. And they go looking for him until they're attacked by him and find out he's like this little fucking goblin monster. Right. And Sam freaks the fuck out and pulls out his gun sideways and empties a clip while he's screaming, just all the bullets hit him and do nothing to him. And he just runs up and dick punches Sam Whitworth and takes yeah. his gun from him. And he does this eeny, meeny, miny mo thing on him until he fires the last bullet in between him and misses. And he runs off and they pursue and he just taunts them until he's distracted by Jose and Sam walks up, smashes him with a chair. They bag him up, chain him. And take him to a swamp to dump the body into the swamp, right? And drown him. <laughs> but he's crying like a baby the whole time in the bag. And Jose just can't drown him because he can't drown in a kid like that. And Sam says, fuck that. My nuts were just visually assaulted and we need to take care of him. <laughs> and Jose opens the bag to check on him. And he's like violently puked on, right? And he's like, yeah. fuck this. And just picks him up by himself and throws him in the swamp. Oh. And they go back to their warehouse only to find muddy footprints inside and see that Rusty has returned. Damn, that fucker's fast. (laughs) I know, I know. So Sam calls John again and begs for John to come take him back for free. And John (laughs) lets him know that it's their problem now and that it just showed up at his house five years ago on Halloween and would not leave. He explains that it held him and his wife hostage the whole time. And now they're finally free of him. (laughs) And finally he says, Make sure that you feed him or he will eat. Right? (laughs) You're like, What does that mean? So Sam and Jose somehow bagged. Rusty up again, and they drop him off on John's doorstep and catch him on fire and leave him burning. And they decide they're just gonna drive and drive for hours without stopping. And they learned a valuable lesson for kidnapping, bro. Right? We then cut to daytime and see Sam coming out of a gas station store with some food and drinks. And he enters the van only to find that Rusty's in there eating a candy bar as <laughs> dessert from eating Jose. <laughs> and Sam freaks the fuck out does this like this fear face scream that he does. Like he's just trying to act calm as fucking
1: hilarious fade to black, but he keeps eating the burger.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. He's trying to hold
1: it in. (laughs) Oh, close fucking second for my favorite segment.
0: I know. I know. I know. And Sam Witwer sells this. And if you don't know who Sam Witwer is, he was aiden, the vampire on the American version of being human. He's Darth Maul in all star Wars cartoons He's star killer in the games, and he was the zombie in the tank segment of the first season of Walking Dead when Rick gets in the tank. Oh. And the reason why he was in there, because Frank Darabont really liked Sam Witwer, and he was going to do an entire spinoff of The Walking Dead called The Battle of Atlanta, or The Fall of Atlanta, or something like that. And Sam Witwer was going to be the star, and he was going to be the last soldier standing that died in the tank. Ah. And as we all know, Frank got pushed out of Walking Dead after season one. Yep. So that never happened. And then the second thug, I guess, criminal, whatever. I think his name was Dutch. I don't remember their character's names just because I recognize the guys. But it's Jose Pablo Cantillo, who was also in The Walking Dead. He's the (laughs) cop in Disturbia. And he was uh, from Sons of Anarchy. He's been a bunch of shit, too. Okay. And, of course, John Landis, director and writer of Schlock, Animal House, The Blues Brothers, American Werewolf in London, Thriller, and so much, much more. Yeah. Yeah. And Rusty was played by Ben Wolf, who was Meep in American Horror Story uh, Freak oh, Show or whatever the hell he was. Holy shit. He's also the creepy dancing boy in Insidious that freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, this was his final film before he passed away.
1: Oh, that sucks. Yeah.
0: What a, what a role to go out on, right? <laughs> <laughs> but holy shit, guys. I think I just covered nine short films. Oh, my God. Which means we're on to the last. And this one seems to be most people's favorite. And honestly, I don't like this one that much. I, I get the idea behind it, and it's well done, but I don't know. I just don't have as much fun with this one. Um, I feel bad shit on it though, because who made it? It's Bad <laughs> Seed, and it's written and directed by Neil Marshall, who did Dog Soldiers, The Descent, Doomsday, and the Hellboy remake recently, yes, right? Yes. Um, We open up with a man carving a jack-o'-lantern and showing his wife what he's made, right? And she heads off to change for a costume party they got to go to. And when she comes down, she finds their husband's being eaten alive by a jack-o'-lantern. Oh, shit. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) After ripping the man's head off, the jack-o'-lantern sprouts roots, growls at the woman, and runs away. It's a straight up, what the fuck just happened moment. <laughs> yeah, it is. We then see the cops make an appearance again, including Adam Green, joined by <laughs> Detective McNally, who's played by Christina Klebe, who is Linda in the Rob Zombie Halloween remake. Ah. And she was in the new Hellboy and all sorts of other shit. But she's interviewing the wife and the wife says that she's not going to believe her when she tells her what happens. And then the sketch artist shows her the sketch of the killer and it's a pumpkin And Detective McNally's like, what the fuck? Until Adam Green comes in and lets her know that the captain wants her back at the station ASAP. (laughs) We then cut to a mother and son trick-or-treating and the mom stops to check her fucking Facebook or Instagram or something as her kid runs up to the porch by himself and he sees a jack-o'-lantern with some candy in the mouth and he reaches his hand in there until he's eaten by the fucking jack-o'-lantern right in front of his mother, right? (laughs) That's great back at the station McAnally meets with the captain and he starts going off on her like old 80s 90s police captain action movie style right yes. about the fucked up night they're having in their small little town and he basically goes over everything that's happened in the segments prior to this one he's like we got neighbors killing each other we have hysterical blindness uh, we have kids <laughs> killing people we even have you know fucking UFO sightings right <laughs> trick or treat <laughs> he tells her that she's got to go out there and solve this shit or he's going to throw her ass back to vice which i feel like that was always what they were threatened with in the old action movies <laughs> but she asks where forensic bob is no shit that's his name <laughs> and he comes out and he has a model of the wound and he like 3d printed it or plastered it or something like the bite mark on the guy's body and it's the mouth of a jack lantern right <laughs> and she cracks some joke and he's like "Will you owe me a beer right And McAnally gets a call that she has to go to this crime scene. So she starts driving through town and it's fucking burning. I don't know if part of that's from Billy Thompson's wild night, but there are pumpkins fucking eating people and chasing them down everywhere. (laughs) And the pumpkins look really good. It's the shitty CGI roots that I didn't like, but I don't know how you could have done that on the budget they had without it being CGI. But she gets out of the car and opens fire on one of the jack-o'-lanterns that runs from her, and she makes chase, and, it, and she ends up in, like, I don't really want to call it a pumpkin patch, but you can tell it's like, one of those places where you could stop on the side of the road and buy a pumpkin. Yeah. And they're all in, like, hay bales and stuff, and she's trying to, you know, figure out which pumpkin it is <laughs> because it's turned around, so you can't see the jack-o'-lantern. And... While she's trying to figure out which one's alive, she hears a growl sound, and one jumps up and attacks her, and she fires the pistol, misses, and runs out of ammo. But just then, Forensic Bob shows up with a shoddy and tosses it to her, and she blasts it, and it explodes really cool. There's, like, blood and all sorts of shit. And... I don't know why he's there, but he's like, I thought you needed backup. It's really kind of cheesy. And he wants to go out for that drink now, but she picks up one of the pieces of the blown up jack-o'-lantern. she's shot with the shotgun and it has a sticker on it that says hundred percent organic and Clover corp on it. Right. <laughs> so they head to the Clover Corp facility and they're greeted by the head scientist at the door that basically tells them to fuck off because you know, this is top secret work here. And that scientist is played by Joe Dante. Famous for the Howling and Gremlins One and Two, the yep. Burbs—just name a few, right? But McNally says she wants to see the genetically augmented pumpkins, and he's like, "Oh, I can't, I can't give away our trade secrets." And she basically says, "I got a fucking warrant." and Walks past him, and he reluctantly takes her into a room in the facility where we see thousands, if not millions, of pumpkins laying around, and she freaks out. It's a big deal. Just a bunch of
1: pumpkins. That's
0: the end. And a few tidbits here is the man at the beginning that was making the jack lantern got eaten was Greg McLean, who is the director of Wolf Creek, the darkness and the Belko experiment. Ah, and his wife was played by Serena Vincent, who was Marcy in cabin fever. Oh yeah. Ah, Her, I did spot. I just couldn't place it. And something I didn't catch until my third watch for the podcast is when the camera pans in at the police station, It goes over a missing persons board. And one of the prominent pieces of paper is the little girl that was tied to the table in the trick segment. Ah, So she's a missing little girl and her name is Jacqueline Lantern.
1: (laughs) Do you get like a season of the witch vibes when they go to the lab? (laughs) 100%.
0: I get season of the witch vibes almost through the entire thing. Okay. But there's some scent that kicks in. And I think it's the use (laughs) of the pumpkins. But we hear our narrator's voice kick in one last time and wish us a happy Halloween. And then the credits roll. And it would have been really cool if she was attacked at the end, like the fog. But yeah. <laughs> but
1: then again, we would have shit on it if they did.
0: <laughs> eh, probably, probably, probably. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a neat movie. It has a lot of good segments, hit or miss. I won't say that I hate any of them. Like, even when I said Bad Seed was my least favorite, it's still fun to watch. Yeah. And it's just completely fucking bad shit crazy. You got a lot of styles. The special effects aren't bad for the most part. And honestly, it's always more comedy than I remember it being. I always remember this being the the harder horror one. And then you watch it, and then you got some segments that are just, just fucking funny. Yeah. And, I mean the throwbacks and the Easter eggs and the cameos though. Like you can't deny how fucking awesome that was in this one. And I like this one. This one was kind of fun to do because it was 10 short films and I've never done that. But Josh has only seen this one. What? Like twice, like once when it came out and once for the podcast, right? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So I feel like I was basically telling you the stories and you were getting something new out of it. So it was kind of like telling stories at the campfire. So That was kind of fun. And, Some people love this movie. Some people try to like, Oh, it's better than trick or treat. And some people are like, no trick or treat shits on it. I really don't think you should compare them because they are done completely differently. Yeah. This one is 10 separate stories with loosely tying cameos and threads. Whereas trick or treat is an anthology story, but done in one movie, which is really neat how they did it. And they are made at different times. And I don't know. I just don't think they're fair to compare. I will say that I watch trick or treat more often. Oh yeah. But this is definitely one that's going to go in every Halloween as well. Oh yeah, got to. Got to. <laughs> and and I liked it a lot more this year watching cuz I'd only seen it like twice I think before this. So but now that that's done, we have to go into the masterpiece known as Trick or Treat from 2007 that I'm pretty sure all horror fans pop in right next to Halloween this time of year.
1: <laughs> so this film is why the wife and I both love partially love michael doherty of course he wrote and directed this along with krampus which is why we love krampus then he shit on all of us with the 2019 godzilla king of the monsters that had so close to being awesome and wasn't Um, (laughs) and i'm not the comic book guy so just bear with me everyone but he did also write superman returns and x2 Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) Which brings us into, once again, not the comic book guy here. This film was produced by Brian Singer. And I know if I don't, we don't talk about producers, but I know if I don't bring this up, I'll get hell from it by either listeners or you. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so there's a lot of Marvel crossover between Brian Singer and Michael Doherty. And as we go into this film, there's also a lot of Marvel people <laughs> in this yeah, film. Yeah. And I'm not going to go off into all that. <laughs> I do want to
0: say though, Brian Singer is in charge of, like the X Men movies that were made yes. by socks and not the Marvel
1: Marvel proper movies. <laughs> I just want to throw it out there. But at any rate, after you going through all these people in the segments that you had to do, there's 49 people in in this cast. <laughs> and I decided to just hang on four of them that are prominent right, right. in the movie. So we've got Dylan Baker as Mr. Wilkins who's done oh, a yeah. crap ton of TV and he's great in this. We've yep. got Quinn Lord as Sam and the peeping Tom Kid. Yep. Who's again a crap ton of TV And a fucking Paquin, Sookie, (laughs) from True Blood. And she was in X-Men. She was in Scream 4. And, again, a crap ton of TV. (laughs) And, of course, Brian fucking Cox is Mr. Krieg from Super Troopers. Again, X-Men. More recently, the autopsy of Jane Doe. Say shenanigans one more time and I'll pistol whip you. (laughs) So, a lot of other people in this film, but we're just going to stick with those. (laughs) Of course, there's a backstory on this one because this is a fucked up situation. So first, I'm going to start with why most people didn't know about this movie for a long time because this was set for a theatrical release. Even merchandising was set up with the Sam character in mind, with a launch date and everything. And then at the last minute, Warner pulled the plug. And it's been argued round in circles about why it happened. I don't know. You want to go read about it, read about it, because no one's ever flat out come out and said why. But okay. I think it, it could have had something to do with the fact that 13 kids get murdered and young kids get murdered in this movie.
0: <laughs> Did it maybe happen around uh, like a school shooting or something?
1: Not that I can remember. Like the biggest argument is that it was going to open against some other blockbuster movie. And after Superman Returns bombed so bad, everybody got cold feet. But you already spent the money to release the shit.
0: I did read somewhere, I don't remember what fucking movie it was, but it was scheduled to come out the same time as another Warner Brothers movie, and they're like, we're not going to pit two horror movies against each other.
1: Yeah, it was It was some, some fuckery, but regardless, <laughs> it found its audience, and uh, it did it through the film festival circuits, and eventually ended up with a DVD release. Now the, the origin for it, when Doherty was at NYU, he was studying for animation and he did an animation short that was called season's greetings. And Mm -hmm. that was the introduction of Sam, the character. And he did, it's a lot like the South park story where like this little short was sent out, you know, all across the place to actors and and movie makers whatnot. You never knew who was going to see it. And, uh, Stan Winston, of all people, was the one that saw it and said, hey, you, the next time you're out in L.A., look me up. I, I'd like to, to maybe do some work with you. And he basically pushed him into turning it into a script. He's like, no, fuck animation. You need to be making movies. <laughs> so Doherty's like, okay, well, I got the werewolf story already. And uh, there, there was another one that he had from back when he was in college and just kind of built around that. And okay. He took a lot of uh, inspiration from Pulp Fiction, which is very obvious, and Halloween, which is also very obvious, (laughs) and uh, he wanted it to be like more of a, we don't have a character for Halloween. You you know, you've got the jack-o'-lantern, but you don't have that character, and he wanted Sam to be that, and it really has happened at this point, in my opinion. I mean, there's like 30 Sams in and around our house. And these days when I think Halloween and what's the first character that just embodies all of it, it's not just a traditional slasher like Mikey or something like who's the harbinger of tradition and who's you better watch out for like Santa. It's fucking Sam. (laughs) I will say the spirit of Halloween store was just fucking covered
0: with trick or treat stuff this year and Sam stuff like it just came out or something.
1: Well, it's, it's getting bigger and bigger because the, right. past, the past two years, Halloween Horror Nights, they did a trick-or-treat scare zone, and everybody thought, nobody knows what this is. Of course, everybody thinks of the wrong movie. And then they did The House the next year, which was amazing. But anyways, enough gushing. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So at one point when he was working on this as a spec script, he wanted to have – George A. Romero, John Carpenter, Toby Hooper, and Stan Winston direct the segments. Oh! But, yeah, but that never happened. And then when Warner Brothers, after several rewrites, actually picked it up, they're like, you just go ahead and direct it. So, that's kind of how it came into its being. Um, two more quick things that were uh, that were strong in the commentary was he wanted 80s-style practical effects with CGI touch-ups. None of this CGI bullshit. Mm-hmm. And... Krieg, the character, was actually made to look like John Carpenter on purpose. That was the whole idea yeah. for his character. Which is a really nice touch. Yeah. So I totally missed out on this movie, and it was one of the many that the wife would talk about and be like, I can't believe you've never seen this. And then when I sat <laughs> down and watched it, I was like, it was like Cabin in the Woods. Like, how did I miss this and it's so sad that so many people missed out on it because of right. it going to video.
0: I didn't see it until 3 or 4 years ago, I think. I actually saw this entails of Halloween the same the same night. Like I double featured them. So. Okay one thing if if you have it in your notes already i'm sorry and i'll shut up but i didn't catch this until i watched this with somehow i got my wife to actually watch this one my fucking mind was blown because you know she's not a big horror person she liked it she yeah. couldn't stop watching she's like i don't watch this shit and she couldn't stop but i never noticed until this last time that sam Salwin, which is spelt s-a-m-h-a-i-n <laughs> fucking mind blown when it just clicked the other night it was it was hilarious <laughs>
1: I didn't, I'd never picked up on it until Doherty said it in the commentary. And I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> My wife was like, how do you know his name's Sam? I'm like,
0: oh, it just is. I saw it. And then I started thinking, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I, I, well, she said, what is he? I said, he's the spirit of Halloween. And, and then it just kind of clicked on like, Sam, Salwin, Sam, Sam Hain. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So we open with this nineteen fifty styles public service announcement about trick-or-treating <laughs> safety. And uh and it like wigs out and then suddenly cuts to this Halloween style like jack lantern. And oh, it's not even Halloween style, it's a rip off of <laughs> the Halloween right. jack lantern. And uh the PSA was actually not shot for the movie, it was shot for a trailer. And then when Doherty saw it, he's like, Fuck it, let's open the movie with that.
0: It's so perfect for it too.
1: So we then see uh, Rhonda and her red wagon, but we don't know who she is yet. We see the werewolves in a silver car. We don't know who they are yet either. <laughs> and we see a couple coming home from a night of Halloween events. Let's just say, cause we don't know that yet either. And, uh, <laughs> the wife is not in the spirit at all. Cause she's like, you're sauced. I'm sauced. Let's turn all this shit off and go to bed. And she blows out the jack-o'-lantern. And he's like, you can't do that. It's tradition. And she's like, it's not fucking Hanukkah. And, uh, She's just not into it, but she does cheer up the hubby who's kind of let down by her not being in the spirit by telling him to go in and put in the tape and she'll start (laughs) taking down the decorations. And we quickly see that the tape is porn
0: (laughs) called nature special.
1: Yes. And that wasn't originally intended. And they they put the porn in later. So this is all intercut with the POV shots through burlap. And we don't know what it is, but it's coming closer to the house. And uh, the wife looks up and sees this guy watching her from across the street. And if you have a keen eye and look up into the left, you'll see the zombie kids barely walking out of frame. We don't know who they are yet either. So she's taking down these, these like scarecrow cross things that have sheets over them, like ghosts in the yard. And she's putting them away. And all of a sudden one of the, the sheets just kind of blasts out of the box and it covers her. And we don't, we, we see from outside that she's getting sliced to bits under the sheet as it gets stained with blood that they actually boiled on set to get it to steam yeah. while they did that which is just really cool because they shot this in November in Canada thinking mm-hmm. oh we're gonna have leaves and shit and instead they were fighting not having snowstorms in the fucking <laughs> shots and had to go, ha- go Halloween style with the leaves with bags of leaves <laughs> because there wasn't <laughs> any but anyways I just think that's neat
0: and also to point out she gets cut by what's the gonna be the, one of the signature weapons of this movie. It's a bit off sucker, right? That's like got jagged edges.
1: Yes. And you, you barely see it in the beginning because it's all this happens so fast. And of course, her screams are heard by the husband. Well, they're not because he's here in the porn moment, not her. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And he passes out. So after she's dead, we, the, the killer is still under the sheet and is like dragging her back up into the fucking yard. Then hubby comes out and part of their decorations is like limbs and trees, human mm-hmm. limbs. Um, <laughs> and one, of, <laughs> one of them looks kind of fresh and it's got a wedding ring on it. <laughs> and all of a sudden the lights in the yard turn back on and all the sheets are back on the cross things. And, uh, he walks up to the one that's right behind him cause it's bloody And pulls the sheet down and there's this fucking dismembered, decapitated wife with the lolly jammed in her mouth. Title card and total comic book creep show opening credits, which features a lot of the original artwork and storyboard work from the actual production of the movie. And uh, this intro leads us into Charlie the Trick or Treater. And there's, I'm going to say this now, there's going to be a lot of characters that pop up whenever we're in town at the parade that are intermingled in all this. That's too much to point out all of them. The most prominent is the couple because the wife's in a robot costume and you're going to see them a lot that helps with the timeline, but there's a lot of other people intermixed and I'm not going to be yeah. off and all of them it's just going to take too much time. So then we get a pop-up earlier. And we see this young boy peeping on some girls that are changing at the costume shop. Of course, the peeper is Quinn Lord, who also plays Sam. And uh, you can hear the girls talking while they're in adjoining join, uh, little change booths. And they sound like they're talking about past hookups. But the lines are a bit more revealing if you pay attention. <laughs> I don't know
0: why we drove out here when there are perfectly good guys in the city. Fresh meat. It's what we do every Halloween,
1: Lori. I'll take the same. Yeah. So, uh... Yeah, that's that's painfully obvious once you know.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. The second time I ever saw this movie, I heard them talking. I'm like, holy shit. They said the whole thing. There's another line later, too. It's like. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so uh, then the girls pop out and we see what we expect to see. Sexy costumes and uh, that the girls are on the prowl, but Lori really isn't into it.
0: Danielle, I look like I'm five. I like that they purposely named her after Lori Strode.
1: Yes. And she's like innocent like Lori, right? So So then we see the girls start picking up guys for this party. They're going to go to, but not the Virgin. She doesn't pick up anybody. She's having a very hard time and they end up splitting up. So let's go back to Charlie. There's going to be a little bit of weird jumping around in like the first third of this movie and it gets a little bit more stable as we go. Yeah. So after smashing some pumpkins. Charlie, which I, I remember right as the kid from Bad Santa. I forgot to look at it. It up. is. It is. Okay, yeah. cool deal. And uh, he goes up to this house that has one of the notorious Jesus loves you. Just take one bowls. <laughs> but I'm yeah, pre- yeah. pretty sure it doesn't have the Jesus loves you part, but you know what I'm talking about. And uh, he gets busted ripping it off by Mr. Wilkins. He tells Charlie, calm down, sit down, go ahead and eat the candy. And he sits down next to him. He starts carving a pumpkin. And he's telling Charlie that, you know, he was told that this night was about respecting the dead and it was the night when the dead roam free and pay us a visit, but nobody cares about their traditions anymore. And as he's going through this story and getting to that point, Charlie, who's just chowing down candy while this is going on, just starts <laughs> fucking choking. And uh, Mr. Wilkins looks at me and is like, Oh yeah, I remember another tradition. Always drink your candy. <laughs> He's so creepy in this. (laughs) He is. He's so good. And then Charlie just lets out this bloody chocolate vomit fountain. Yeah. And they did takes with shit in his mouth. They did takes with a hose rig that hooked in one side of the mouth and shot it from the other side of the mouth. They did shots with it in the shot and just digitally removed it later. Like they spent (laughs) a whole day on this puke scene that was supposed to just be a quick cut. And then when they started doing it, Doherty was just like, no, more, more, more which is great because it's a good little thing the way it's all cut together. So after all the chocolate vomiting, Charlie passes out in Mr. Wolken's lap and he takes him inside. <laughs> he's like struggling to get the body inside and he's got chocolate, bloody vomit remnants all down his white yeah. shirt. And just then some trick or treaters come to the door and he goes to the door and they ask if they can take one of his jack-o'-lanterns for a UNICEF scavenger hunt. I don't know whose idea that was, but that's just terrible. <laughs>
0: I mean, I think it's something lying teenagers make up. Do they, they already know what they want the jack They know what they want the jack o Oh for, yeah. and they're lying to him because he's the principal. And it's really funny because just a few minutes before that, he says to Charlie, don't waste a good lie on this. Yes. And then you <laughs> see these kids lying through their teeth, so it's kind of well, funny. I
1: just think it's funny that's like, for a scavenger hunt, it's for UNICEF. <laughs>
0: I know I know anything for a good cause
1: Maybe I just didn't go to school with enough Smart kids to be like what I'd be like what's UNICEF <laughs> But anyways As they leave we see that Sam Has been standing behind them as one of the kids the whole time And he grabs a candy bar From Mr. Wilkins and runs off And as he's going down the stairs his bag's dragging Behind him hitting the steps and if pay attention You hear a cat going meow, 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 meow. <laughs> That's obviously in the candy bag but Mr. Wilkins goes back inside and real quick as he walks to the living room you can see his candy modification table where he's got like poison and candy and razor blades and all this shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, real quick, I'm going to bring up, of course, they couldn't use any real candy. So they made up names for candy in this. And like one of the jokes was that one of them got named by a guy that wouldn't shut up about a girl he dated who was a hoe. So it's like Holly, Holly hoes, like (laughs) shit like that. And I know a lot
0: of them are named after people that worked on the set, too, right?
1: Yes. And there's a crossover, which I brought up in in this other episode of the same candy being used in Krampus. So anyways, that's the candy table. So we see Mr. Wilkins go out back to bury Charlie in this hole that's already dug that already has other kids in it. And briefly, (laughs) you see part of one of their costumes here in a minute that looks like it's clown related. And I think it's supposed to be three kids from later in the movie. But I only read about it. Okay. Okay.
0: I I went back. The costumes match up. Okay. It was a nice touch.
1: So as he's tried to bury this fucking body, he one keeps getting interrupted by his son, Billy. Dad. <laughs> it's like, shh, be quiet. We're gonna watch Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's an asshole. <laughs> I know, I know. And he just keeps interrupting him while he's trying to do shit. Then the neighbor's dog, Spite, um, who I thought was Spike at first, but the dog's name is Spite.
0: Um, oh really? I thought it was Spike also. That's funny.
1: <laughs> I had to have the fucking uh subtitles on. And uh he chops off a finger and throws it over the fence to try to shut the dog up. But we'll also see Spite's owner, Mr. Creek, come out. What in God's name are you doing down there, Wilkins? Uh-huh. Hiding bodies? Mm. <laughs> what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. It's uh, septic tank is acting up.
0: Is that what that smell is? I'm afraid so. Then fix it. Yeah. It stinks like a dead whore out here.
1: And then finally, Billy at the window again, and this is like the seventh time he said this, don't forget to help me with the eyes, because he wants to carve a fucking jack-o'-lantern. And uh, <laughs> he's like, just go inside and be quiet. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Wilkins is like watering the the plants by the grave, and he starts mocking his son. He's like, Dad, what want to go trick-or-treating. Dad, help me with the <laughs> eyes. Dad, I wish Mom was still around. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, so I know. So good. And uh, he starts walking in the back door. And he looks over and sees Mr. Krieg banging on his window and some orange blur attack him. Yeah. Which we'll know about that later. <laughs> I think Mr. Wilkins just gives him the finger <laughs> or is like, fuck you or something. And he goes in. So once he's inside, he takes Billy downstairs and he's got this big ass knife in hand and the kid's so annoying, hopping down every step, which, you know, it's okay. Kids do that, but the kid's already been annoying and this is like adding to it. Right. And you right. just know he's going to kill his son. And they come up to this table and he fucking puts one hand on the kid's head and out of frame. We see the knife plunge and then it comes back into frame and it's got blood all over it. And he puts it in Billy's hand.
0: But don't forget to help me with the eyes.
1: Then holy shit, we see what they've been looking (laughs) at. And it's Charlie's head on a damn platter. They're going to carve a jack-o'-lantern out of a human skull. Yep. This is how serial killers are made. (laughs)
0: <laughs> exactly and and it really makes you think about the conversation that he gave Charlie on the steps about the traditions that his father taught him exactly so now he's teaching his son that i I do want to point out, did you say somewhere in here that he's bitching to his son about how he's got a date he's got to go on at some point
1: No, but he does say that because <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be seemingly unimportant later, and then you'll realize what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which is just crazy because he's like he's got a busy night of, you know, murdering some kids, burying some kids, teaching his son how to carve up a head and a date. (laughs)
1: Like it's just too much
0: shit for one night.
1: I know, right? And no sitter. No wonder he's so stressed.
0: He might come home to a dead sitter.
1: (laughs) So now let's go back to the three kids that asked for the UNICEF jack-lantern. So they're now at Mrs. Henderson's. What you need to pay attention to here is her costume and the hot dog butt fucking the pig in the background. Yes. Because those two characters are going to come up later. (laughs) That's the only reason I'm bringing that up. (laughs) Oh
0: my God. The way that kid says that, he's like, was that Coach, blah, 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 butt fucking a pig as a hot dog or whatever the fuck he says? And it's so out of nowhere.
1: There's deleted scenes of where they, like, tried different stuff that wasn't so on the nose. And Doherty's like, fuck it, man. That's, that's exactly what we need because that kid's delivery is so good. Because he looks I upset mean, by what he just saw.
0: Oh, I know, I know, I know. And it's like you can tell it's like it's one of their teachers and the coach and the principal. Yeah. Like, it's just a really fucked up night.
1: So the kids meet up with another boy. And we find out his name's Schrader. And they head to Rhonda's house. And Rhonda's house is absolutely blanketed in Mm jack-o'-lanterns. And uh, after they mention they almost have enough jack-o'-lanterns for whatever their scheme is. Right. And they affectionately introduce her as Rhonda the retard.
0: Dude, she's not a retard. She's an idiot savant.
1: Ah, touche. We'll come back to that, too. (laughs)
0: I'm like, why didn't they come here first when you see all the jack-o'-lanterns? And one of the kids actually says it. (laughs) oh my god thank you sweet baby jesus (laughs) and the house intentionally was meant to look like is it carrie's house i think
1: yeah with all the candles yeah yeah Meanwhile, let's see what's going on at the parade, because we've seen like the news reporting about the annual festival, yada, 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 and some people walking around. But this time we see a vampire kill a chicken in an alley and disappear. Um, <laughs> and it really is that quick. Like they're yep. making out in the alley. All of a sudden he's bitter all over, leaves her dead ass laying there and wanders off. And I think uh, before she dies, she's like wandering off into the crowd, going help me and bumps into the couple from the beginning. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. she's just drunk. But just like Pulp Fiction, we're going to come back to this. (laughs) I never realized how much it was like Pulp Fiction
0: until you said that. I mean, clearly, I realized how the film worked, but it really is inspired (laughs) by that. Honestly, it does a better job of it than Pulp Fiction, in my opinion.
1: In spots, yes. So back to the kids. They're walking through the woods, and they don't know where they're going, but they're all just going along with the wagon and the shopping cart with all these jack lanterns And Rhonda sets Chip straight on what Halloween is all about. You mean Samhain? What?
0: Samhain, also known as All Hallows Eve, also known as Halloween. Predating Christianity, the Celtic holiday was celebrated on the one night between autumn and winter when the barrier between the living and the dead was thinnest and often involved rituals that included human sacrifice.
1: And I like how she even kind of smirks when she says human sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's kind of foreshadowing. So they arrive at this rock quarry, and Macy tells them they're there to pay their respects to the dead. And we cut to an awesome flashback with the help of a leaf, because a leaf flies in front of her while she's talking, and then the leaf, leaf pulls out a frame, and you're in the new setting. I just really, really love the way yeah, they did yeah. that cut. But it's funny, because the other girl starts telling the story, and she's like, will you shut up and let me tell the story? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Just good back and forth there so we see eight kids in a short bus and macy starts to explain like her narration is going over this that every day these kids were shipped to a school outside of town so the parents could hide their shame but the parents had had enough and worked out a deal with the bus driver and the kids in this bus this is where shit gets really dark so the the costumes for this were actually taken from a set of pictures from actual special needs kids and their own homemade Halloween costumes. Okay. And they actually used some kids for this scene. It's just a little dark to me, (laughs) but it's okay. Fuck it. So the opening of the movie, when you first see kids in the street on the commentary, Doherty goes, look, midgets. Oh, shit. I'm not supposed to say that little people. (laughs) So that gives you an idea of his mindset in all this, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I actually heard they had to use little people for all the kids because they had to film at night and it wasn't legal to let kids work that
1: late or something. Right. Exactly. If things didn't look unsettling enough, we see the bus burst through the gates to the quarry that we've just seen the kids standing out at night and stop right at the edge. And he gets up with his bucket of candy and he's walking back through the bus and he's giving the kids candy and checking their chains because all the kids are chained to the fucking bus. It's so fucked up.
0: (laughs) This is like the ding dong darkness segment, right?
1: Like it's just too real. Yeah, the vampire kid when the when the bus first took the wrong turn, he's like look out the window, and he's like wrong way, wrong way, home, yeah. home. And he's just sitting there and he's panicking and he just keeps saying home, home and he eventually gets the restraints off of him and he runs up into the seat and he's just like grabbing the shifter, pushing all three pedals, jerking the wheel, home, 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 I want to go home. And he eventually knocks the bus into drive and the bus drives right off the edge of the cliff. And it is an awesome shot and there are so many layers to this of what's real, what's a sound stage, what's CGI, what's a matte painting and <laughs> just for this bus going off the edge and it's so beautifully done. But anyways, <laughs> so the bus sinks into the water and you see like the kids masks float up, but that the bus driver got out as well, but he was the only survivor. And so at this point, we're back to the kids. We're at the end of the story. And Macy says that their plan is to leave eight jack-o'-lanterns as an offering to the eight lost souls. And there's this lift elevator, either way, that goes <laughs> down down into the quarry, but uh it only holds three people. So Chip and Rhonda are left behind. And you also gotta have a key to run the lift and uh unlock the little gate to get in and out of it. Yeah. And Macy says they'll send the key back up. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> We're back back to Lori because now remember, she's the virgin and she's little red riding hood. And, you know, all of her other friends got guys real quick, like one in the costume store and then two guys in a van truck right outside of the costume store. And everywhere this poor girl looks, it's either a bait and switch or they already have somebody and she just doesn't know what to do. But she's also being tailed by the vampire we saw in the alley. And she gets a call from the party and I didn't catch this until it was fucking pointed out on the commentary. And while she's on the phone in the background, the soundtrack is cry, little sister from lost boys. It's actually a cover of it, but that's what's playing there.
0: It'll be relevant here in a minute.
1: (laughs) And, uh, on the other line, the girls are like, um, yeah, we've got a guy here, uh, waiting to meet you. And he's real nice. And she's like, that means he's hideous. And it's a dude dressed as a giant baby. Yeah, because she's like, is he young? And she's like, you can say that. And he played the giant kid in 13 Ghost. Don't remember the actor's name, though, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, regardless, they've got her somebody. She needs to get to this party out in the woods. Let's go back to Chip and Rhonda at the quarry now. Because they're still up top. And they hear this howl all of a sudden. And Rhonda just looks up and goes, werewolves. I know, I know. <laughs> And Chip's looking at her like, what? <laughs> And the lift comes back up.
0: Fucking fantastic. I don't know if that kid's been in anything else. I didn't even look, but he's fantastic in this movie with this fucking deadpan delivery of anything.
1: Yes, he is great. Even when he starts freaking out, he's still great. So then the lift comes back up and they get on. And as they're heading down, they can hear the kids' voices below just turn to fucking screams and wails of terror. And -hmm. through the fog, they see the jack-o'-lanterns that they were holding go out one by one chip loses a shit but Rhonda decides she's going to go and investigate but she leaves chip behind in the elevator and says not to let the candles go out and they'll protect him so she walks into the fog and she finds the bus in the muck and it looks really cool and they built all that at halloween horror nights it was really awesome but anyways uh whoa that's nice yeah yeah you like you you're inside the quarry with the bus and everything they built the whole street that the three main houses are on god it was insane
0: anyways (laughs) that's the year I should have fucking gone
1: (laughs) but she then starts to see the three kids that went down there bloody costumes in the water and she's like oh shit all of a sudden one of the zombie kids springs up and uh (laughs) She immediately notices one munching on chip chip chips intestines are all out everywhere now being snacked on and (laughs) she just goes off running being chased by presumably the fucking zombie kids from the story. Well, they weren't zombie kids in the story, but the dead kids from the story (laughs) and eventually they they chase. They end up kind of surrounding her and she's on like this little ledge and just a few feet up, but it's enough that she she falls and she gets knocked out and we immediately hear like normal voices that sound familiar like Schrader's voice like do you think she's dead? I'm like, Oh shit, this was all just a prank. So Macy's like, she's pissed. Like I wanted to keep scaring the shit out of her. Like she's mad now that things have gone wrong. And, and Schrader's like had a change of heart and he's being nice to Rhonda and like, you know, holding her while she's crying and shit. Cause she's really freaked out. And he's even saying yeah. to Macy's like, look at her, you know, you scared the hell out of her. We're done. Go pack everything up. As Macy walks off, she kicks the last lit jack lantern into the water. Then three kids start hearing all these voices and all this giggling. And at first, Macy's like, stop it. We thought we were done, blah, blah, blah. Then the real zombie kids fucking attack. And uh, they snag Sarah. She's the other girl in the headgear that I hadn't really mentioned. And uh, <laughs> they snag her like fucking scorpion from Mortal Kombat by these chains. And fucking she goes flying off into the fog. So then all the kids start running towards the lift. And uh, as soon as they get to it, they find Rhonda all by herself with those still lit jack lanterns in the lift with the door shut and locked. Yeah. And they're begging her to let her in. This is what I was saying. Even when Chip's freaking out here, I, he's still good. He doesn't turn into a whiny kid. Like I buy all of them. Like, yeah. yeah. The traders trying to reason with her and shit. And I love the shot because because the lock and the button are right by each other. And her hand slowly going over to the lock with the key and then pauses in the last second, just quickly hits the up button. <laughs> so the lift starts going up and the kids start screaming and just starts staring down at him like who's the retard now you fuckers <laughs> shit. that look she gives him it's so good because at this point she's done velma out and lost her glasses and like been crying with a fucking head injury and shit and all this she's the mean girl that was picked on at school who was actually the one who respected shit and y'all yeah. just got your comeuppance so I'm all good with that And once the lift gets up top, she collects the remaining lit jack-o'-lanterns in her little wagon. And she sees Sam, who's standing off in this culvert. And they just kind of give each other a passing glance, and she goes to leave. Oh, while you're hearing the kids being ripped apart below. (laughs) (laughs) I just kind of had an epiphany. She had all the candles
0: lit, right? Or the jack-o'-lanterns lit. And she was talking about how it protects you from things. And she made sure she took one as she walked past Sam. And we saw at the beginning what happens when you put a jack-o'-lantern out. Well, Sam around, right? So did she have all that shit lit to protect her from Sam?
1: Exactly.
0: I read this somewhere. Let me know if this is in the commentary or not, because I didn't have the commentary, but I heard that originally she was supposed to be a ghost and it was going to be like six cents and he found out at the end. And then Michael's like, that's just a little too much. We'll just fucking nix that. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I was just curious because I read it somewhere. I was curious if that was fact or not.
1: Yeah. I still think like, like when she's sitting there and she, we hear the howl and she's like werewolves. Part of me thinks that part of her knew the setup. I really wish they would have gone more in that direction.
0: I mean, it feels like they were shooting it. Like she was going to be a ghost at the end and knew the supernatural shit and then exactly. swap swapped it at the end. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: But what we got is still fucking awesome. So let's go back to Lori, the Virgin, little red riding hood. And she's walking through the woods <laughs> and there's just randomly lit jack-o'-lanterns down this path, but I don't care. It looks so cool though. All of a sudden she, she hears a noise and I think she's even like, I'm not in the mood for any games, blah, 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 like not tough chick, but like, you're not going to shake me. I'm just I had a pissed off night. I want to go home. And, um, she's probably thinking it's her friends cause she's close to the party at this point, yeah. but, uh, she turns around and fucking shrieks because vampire dude's standing in there. But that shot of her spinning around and screaming was Doherty jumping up and scaring her, not when they were supposed to be filming that part. And she got pissed at him and he's like, but there's a reason I did it. And that's the shot that's in the movie. Doherty's (laughs) like that. Like he's he snuck up. I forget who it is. I think it's the girl that plays Rhonda spends like three minutes crawling on the floor during an interview to get up close enough to her to jump up and scare her in the middle of an interview. He's just one of those <laughs> kind of people.
0: Yeah, I saw where uh, Anna Paquin was like, I was mad at first, but when I saw the shot, I was like, okay, that works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so meanwhile, we see the other girls at the party and they have a little chit-chat about their missing friend.
0: She's a big girl. She can take care of herself.
1: I wish that were true. Mom always said
0: she was the runt of the litter. That is another one that like when I saw it the second time, I'm like, oh, come the fuck on. I catch this.
1: <laughs> then real quick back to Lori and vamp dude, who's already slammed her up against a tree and uh, he's fixing to go bite her. And he's like, my, what big eyes you have. And then fucking bites her. And then all of a sudden we cut back to the party and a body just falls out of the sky <laughs> and it's fucking Lori. Cause It's wrapped in the red hood. Must be Lori. And the girls go to investigate. And They pull back her hood and we reveal it's vamp dude. And he's really fucked up (laughs) and really fucking
0: scared. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then he has his fake fangs and his mask removed. Holy shit. It's Mr. Wilkins. This was his date night. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And then we start seeing some wide shots of the party around the fire. And it's only the girls that are standing. There's dudes bodies everywhere. <laughs> yep. And if you look up in the top left hand corner, you'll see Mrs. Henderson rolling hot dog dude into frame. <laughs> so Mrs. Henderson's a fucking werewolf.
0: <laughs> oh, I always noticed the hot dog, but I never noticed Mrs. Henderson.
1: <laughs> it's the black kitty cat costume. Okay, okay. And she tells the kids, watch out. There's monsters out there or something yeah, like yeah. that. Cause she's fucking one of them.
0: I never called that. I just called the hot dog. That's a nice catch.
1: I'm not going to lie. I didn't catch it until fucking Doherty pointed it out in the commentary. Uh
0: (laughs) See, you cheat. I do hard research. You cheat and watch
1: commentaries. Uh, No, I'm lazy. (laughs) Look, it takes me four hours to type up my notes on an hour and a half long movie, all right? Okay, okay. (laughs) Meanwhile, I watch the movie
0: at 1.5 speed while I'm typing.
1: (laughs) But at any rate, we see Laurie straddle Mr. Wilkins.
0: It's my first time, so just
1: bear with me. Somewhere in here, because shit's about to go crazy, but somewhere in here she actually says back to him, my, my, what big eyes you have, which is really fucking cool too. But uh, shit starts to get hot. The Marilyn Manson cover of the rhythmics, (laughs) fucking Sweet Dreams kicks in, and chicks start getting naked, and it's the guy's favorite part of the movie. And then this one chick goes to unzip the dress of the other chick, but it's not dress, it's her skin, and she fucking yep. cuts her open instead of unzipping, and it's so cool, and they start stripping more, their flesh, off their fucking bodies to reveal the fur below.
0: Yeah, because they're like skin changer werewolves, right? Like yes. they rip the skin out and come out of it. Practical effects and looks fucking amazing.
1: Yes, it is badass and they feast, there's fucking carnage going on, and we see Sam sitting there on a down tree just watching all this. <laughs> and then there's a great dissolve to another shot of where his head gets replaced by the moon, which is really, really cool.
0: Yeah. Um, a couple of things over here because, you know, your segments don't break up, so I have to interrupt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Anna Paquin's transition from innocent to how evil she got at the end was badass.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And... Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. The first time I saw this, I assumed they were a witch coven right before they wolfed out for some reason. Yeah, like they were getting men for a sacrifice and they're putting them in a circle ritualistically. They needed their sperm. Yeah, and I was <laughs> Jesus, Josh. What? And, That's from
1: what we do in the shadows.
0: <laughs> and uh, why are they making such a big deal of her being like a virgin? Does it have something to do with like her first transformation? Are they in heat? What's going on?
1: To me, they imply that this is, I'm going with the lore of she's turned, but not completely until she makes her first kill. And she's never, she's just a pup and she's, this is her first kill. So she's the quote unquote virgin.
0: I mean, I thought they were like specifically implying the sex was involved though. Do you think that wasn't?
1: No, no, that was allegory. Total allegory. Okay. okay.
0: And this seems very reminiscent of the, uh. When the vampires and lost boys are killing all the bikers around the bonfire. Yeah. Which is why he's a song, right? That's why yes. I was saying earlier. That song's gonna be important in a minute.
1: <laughs> and
0: it, and just just real quick on those those the werewolves look badass. And uh I saw where Michael's like, I want practical werewolves, not CGI because practical or because CGI werewolves look like shit. Yeah. And we've talked about that on this podcast. I thought it was worth mentioning. But I, I saw that he actually got the guy that did the lichens in the underworld movie Yes. to make the werewolves, which those are badass looking fucking werewolves. I know there's a lot of CGI in that movie, but there's also a lot of practical too in underworld. So yeah. it's just a really cool scene. And um, I'm trying to think I'll, I'll decide by the end, but that might be my favorite segment of this. Oh, the werewolves.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I jump around a lot. I have to think about it.
0: If I hadn't seen the movie in a year and it's like September or August, and I'm thinking about it. I always think of the quarry story. Yeah. It's like my favorite. And then when I watch it, I always really enjoy this whole fucking werewolf vampire thing. It's pretty badass. (laughs) Anyways, anyways, I'm
1: sorry. So after the dissolve, we get another pop-up card earlier again. Well, it doesn't say earlier again, but (laughs) it's not the first time it's been used. Right, right, right. (laughs) And we see these three kids all in clown costumes go up to Mr. Krieg's house. Now, in case you're wondering, Mr. Krieg's house is the one with no lights on at all because he's going to be the, Ebenezer Scrooge of Halloween. And mm-hmm. that's what that's what the character was written for. And uh instead of getting candy, they get chased off by a zombie dog. But it's cool. It's just spite with this light up mask that Krieg's <laughs> using to scare away the kids. And uh we see Krieg go back inside and like, you know, he's he's wheezing, he's you know, the place is filthy and then the guy just seems like a complete uh, turd and yep. he's throwing these pictures in the fire, but we can't see what they are. I do want to point out something I meant to bring up earlier. If you pay attention, you can see a high school ring on the bus driver's hand in the flashback scene. And yeah. they, make, they make it a point to show it again here. Um, oh, I never caught that. Yeah. So you, if you're, and I didn't catch this till multiple watchings, but if you're, you're not the commentary, I actually caught this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah yeah they they do the giveaway before the reveal that's later but anyways
0: the the wheezing was the giveaway for me
1: <laughs> that's uh because that's the way he's wheezing when he crawls out of the water
0: yeah i do want to point out the three kids in the clown costumes or whatever on the porch or the bodies he's burying
1: yeah mr wilkins
0: yeah mr wilkinson's burying earlier yeah
1: so after he throws these pictures in the fire he sits down and uh he's watching tv and he's like flipping through channels and there's like Uh, There's there's some Scooby Doo and something else. I forget what all this show. But anyways, he starts drinking and and watching some TV. And he hears these noises outside. And he goes and looks out the window. And as soon as he looks out the window, an egg hits the window. But it's thrown so fucking hard it actually breaks the window. And you can see Sam scurry off. Well, you see an orange blur scurry off is what (laughs) you really see. And then he goes out into the backyard. And what's really cool is this is the other side of the fence from earlier when Wilkins was burying. Uh, Charlie in the backyard or what was left of Charlie in the backyard. And uh, so there's a little bit of back and forth. That's the same about, you know, uh, you got a septic back up, you know, it smells like a dead whore out here, blah, 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 blah. But you're seeing uh, this now cut with a Sam POV. That's kind of stalking him. So he goes back in the back door, but then, and he locks it and then spite starts barking at the front door. So then he goes out and looks out in the front yard and his whole fucking yard is all of a sudden decorated like Rhonda's been by there. Cause it's the mm-hmm, same mm-hmm. way overdone setup and uh he's about to start smashing pumpkins and now spites barking inside like something's upstairs so he goes back in locks the front door and you can hear giggling and and feet moving around and uh he grabs a shotgun off of the the fireplace mantle, and he starts going upstairs but uh he heads upstairs and uh first he thinks he sees something in the bed and we get a real dramatic build up to him yanking the covers back and it's a little little mechanical like mummy hand thing like okay well there's a sigh of relief then a jack-o'-lantern we didn't know was there burst into flames in the corner, <laughs> revealing what looks like blood being used to write "trick or treat, give me something good to eat" all over the walls and the fucking ceiling.
0: And I'd like to point out that I currently <laughs> appear to be sitting in that room, <laughs> to Josh, because I think it's fun when we do these uh these video up or when we do the video chat for the episodes a green screen. Something from the movie behind me, and I'm sitting in this room right now with Sam's creepy ass behind me. I was
1: fixing to say, so whenever you lean too far, I actually see Sam, just as we're all breathing a sigh of relief of what the fuck is going on. Sam reaches out from under the bed and cuts Mr. Krieg's Achilles tendon with the Mr. Wilkins candy bar knife. Yeah, because and we're going to have a full reveal of it here in a second, but that's the candy bar that Mr. Wilkins threw to Sam when he was trick or treating earlier and he puts fucking razor blades and shit in candy. (laughs) (laughs) So Mr. Wilkins fucking tries to get a shot off and all he shoots is the jack lantern. And then he falls down the candy stairs and I I call them the candy stairs because it's all the candy out of Sam's bag, which is loaded with razor blades (laughs) and like broken glass (laughs) and all kinds of crazy shit. So he's downstairs he's kind of freaking out behind him you can see sam now peeking out from upstairs on the ceiling (laughs) and goes crawling across the ceiling and jumps down on him and at this point we've got shit between a woman stunt actor quinn lord and i think a little person all for different things in here for for the sam Krieg fight and they scuffle around for a little bit and it leads up to mr Krieg actually ripping sam's burlap mask open a little bit and we end up seeing that that uh Sam's actual head when the the bag is taken off is fucking this evil pumpkin skeleton thing, which is awesome. And it's all the all the cuteness of Sam is now gone, except for when it smiles here in a minute. But we'll get to that. And uh I don't know. It's still pretty cute while
0: being creepy at the same time.
1: <laughs> so the, the, the now pumpkin skull revealed, Sam just starts chowing down <laughs> on Mr. Krieg's leg <laughs> and he gets the shotgun back up and he blasts Sam in the face. <laughs> and <laughs> it's cartoonish and such a good way between the little, ow and then <laughs> the way he flies through the next shot yes. into the door. And instead of blood and guts, it's pumpkin guts, which that's awesome too. But I do want to point out, so the wife recently got a uh, trick-or-treat adult activity book. So it's like a coloring book and connect the dots and shit. And in one of the pages, you know the things where it's half of a drawing – and then it connect the dots, and it's like, this is a unicorn. Can you draw the rest of it? So mm-hmm. it, it's one of those, and it's half of Sam's face. And at the top it says, oh, no, Mr. Krieg shot Sam in the face. Can you draw the rest of it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome.
1: Oh, That's how the whole book is, man. It's fucking great. So Mr. Krieg does the fucking smart thing after this, and he reloads, and he shoots Sam in the chest, and then he shoots off his fucking hand. He should have just kept shooting in the face, but I will give so much props for there to actually be more shots fired and not just, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. So Krieg then goes to call 911, but Sam's evil dead hand pulls the plug on the fucking phone (laughs) and then stabs him in the leg. (laughs) And it's literally Sam's shot off hand fucking running around doing shit now. And the hand goes back over... to sam's body and like taps him on the leg and sam wakes up and looks at him at the hand and the hand waves at him like hi and sam smiles and it reattaches itself to him it's so awesome this is why this right here is what makes sam okay to be this character because like it it now has depth to it he's still like a kid yes like
0: he's the spirit of halloween and he punishes you for not celebrating halloween but he's a kid trick-or-treater himself
1: yep there's a lot of it where where Doherty said, you know, some people say it's fucked up to have had uh, Quinn actually play a lot of these scenes, but he's like, there's certain magic to the way a kid moves versus okay. a little person. And it adds this extra creepy factor to it. And like this, this kind of clumsiness that a kid brings to it, to where it feels innocent even when moving. And he's so right. The way they did it, so good. But anyways. Um, you can't always tell, though, because in the... Um Billy Thompson owns
0: the night episode or or segment or whatever I did earlier. I could always tell the first time I saw it that it was a little person playing. Oh, yeah. Billy running around with Abaddon before I knew the, the, the plot twist,
1: you know? Yeah. So after this, Sam puts his mask back on and then he slowly walks over to Mr. Krieg and he pulls a lollipop out and it's the jack-o'-lantern lollipop that everyone mm-hmm. associates with Sam, but it's whole. He takes a bite out of it and it's now the jaggedy shank that it's meant to be. And he goes up and he fucking stabs Mr. Krieg in the stomach. Nope. He was just stabbing the candy bar that was on his stomach. (laughs) And now that he's got something good to eat, he leaves. So everything's cool, right? That's it. That's the end of the story. Let's go into credits. No, (laughs) the camera slowly rolls in on the fireplace and we see what Mr. Krieg was burning was a picture of the short bus kids and their driver. And if you can't tell by now, the driver was Mr. Krieg. Yep. So after this, we get another card pop up <laughs> <laughs> and now it's later. <laughs> so if you think about it, we've gone earlier, 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 later. And we see Mr. Krieg all bandaged up, total Looney Tune style. Yeah. And, uh, but now he respects the holiday because he's got kids that come to the door. It's the three little pigs. And, uh, he's giving out <laughs> some candy and you could tell it's like fucking, Hall's cough drops and, and peppermint. And shit, yeah. You know, quote unquote old people candy. And uh, down the street, we see Billy in his quote unquote dad costume. We also see Rondo walking home, but now we actually see Rondo with the wagon, not just the wagon. We see mm-hmm. the werewolf girls in the silver car, but we actually see the girls in the car this time. And we also see Sam staring down Mr. Krieg. And it's a really good shot with Sam in the edge of frame down at the street and Mr. Krieg up on the the, the stairs just staring at each other like, like they understand. I know. <laughs> I know Mr. I know. Krieg understands now. <laughs> So what we see Sam notice is the couple from the beginning of the movie coming home. And it's when she fucking blows out the jack-o'-lantern and is like, you know, it's a, he's then the husband's like, oh, it's tradition. And she's like, oh, it's not Hanukkah. And <laughs> Sam <laughs> looks at her and looks down at his lollipop shank and looks back over there. And yep. like, Oh, OK. This is exactly where we were. This is what led up to this. Right. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Krieg. Uh, or sorry uh, Sam goes ahead and starts walking across the street And then we go back to Mr. Creek Who gets another knock at the door And now that he's you know in in the good spirits He opens the door to the next set of kids Which are the fucking Actual zombie kids
0: Yep Trick or treat So he survived Sam and then still got it to those kids that he killed.
1: I know, right? And and we get we see Krieg get his in comic book form, um, of the zombie kids having their revenge, and then the, the book itself actually fades into black, so it's showing that it really is a comic book and credits. I feel
0: like that's a very creep show like scene. The original creep show, like Krieg getting it at the end of the zombie totally. kids is something that would have popped up in George Romero's creep show.
1: Yes. And like I said in the beginning, I missed out on this movie like everyone else did as far as theaters go. There's been a few times it's been played here and there, but uh, th- this movie is just fucking awesome. And mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I do want to point out, even for all the violence, every kill is out of frame. Yeah. There's nothing that literally totally happens in in frame. Which is just interesting considering that this is damn sure a hard R movie, that even yeah. though it could have went that way, it it there's still restraint there. Like I said, Sam, the embodiment of the spirit of Halloween and the one who follows up to make sure you're following the traditions. Yeah. Like totally awesome. There's every year more people know about this movie and more people are into it. And I really think it's a new character that's been birthed from this, that, you know, 20 years from now, it's going to be, you know, Sam. If somebody says the the Halloween yeah. character, it's Sam or Michael Myers. It's, it's always going to be Michael Myers <laughs> that everybody comes to first. <laughs> but as far as the spirit goes, it's gonna be Sam.
0: I did want to point out the couple because there's such like prominent characters in the movie because this movie is different in the way that tells Halloween was because this was less throwbacks and more a really unique story on its own with its own characters and they were they were two pretty prominent characters that showed up throughout the entire movie. But the wife is Leslie Bibb and she was in a couple Iron Man movies and she's been in a lot of like rom coms and stuff. But she's also the mom in the um Oh, God, the babysitter movies on Netflix recently. Oh, really? Yeah. But she's really funny seeing stuff. But uh, the husband, and I'm probably going to butcher his name, it's Tamo Pinniket. But that's why I left him out. <laughs> <laughs> he's been in a lot of good, like, fucking genre stuff, though, because he was Hilo in Battlestar Galactica, which was like a fan favorite. He was Gadriel in Supernatural for like a season or two. He was, oh uh, yeah, Paul from Dollhouse. He's like the cop guy in Dollhouse, right? Or the Son FBI of a bitch. Michael put him in Superman Returns as a character. He's probably in more Michael stuff if I if I dug around. <laughs> but he's a good genre actor, and he's one of them that I really wish would get more roles because he. I don't know. He plays a good hero, serious guy, pretty good. But there, I just want to bring them up because they were in the movie a lot and I've seen them in a bunch of stuff. So they gotcha. were, they were fun to see in this and they played that couple perfectly in that opening scene and him needing that pity sex. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, man, I'm glad we finally got to do this. This was a lot of fun. I don't, I don't want to do the verses on these. We don't really do verses anyways, but no. so many people try to do it. And, and really you have one horror movie being this one that is just this really unique, really original artistically amazingly made film that I feel like done as one story in that Pulp Fiction style, as you pointed out to me and it does its own thing the whole time and it does it well. Whereas tales of Halloween was literally just Easter eggs and throwbacks and cameos with good stories and letting people that hadn't really gotten a chance to shine in some cases, go ahead and make something. Some I'm already had obviously, but they come from two different veins Yeah, and they're both, really fun Halloween movies to watch. And I think, honestly, I might double feature them every year from now on.
1: Yeah. They've got to be on, on, on rotation for whatever everybody's Halloween block is. Uh, they both deserve it.
0: And hopefully there's some other Halloween anthologies out there that we maybe could do this again next year. It was kind of fun. I'd have to do some digging though. I can think of plenty of horror anthologies. I just can't think of any more specific Halloween ones just off, off the cuff right now.
1: Yeah but
0: if this was going to be the last episode before a break i mean what a, what a good one to do right like it's just it was perfect timing for halloween and, and to do these anthology films
1: totally well that's
0: it guys for the halloween anthologies episode so you're gonna to have to tune in on the next episode where we cover another holiday As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online. And please, please send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbyspodcast at gmail.com.
1: We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbyspodcast. This might motivate us to use them more. See you guys on the next one. Thanks for listening. Happy Halloween.